How you been then? All right, all right, yeah. Not bad. Very muted response, given everything that's happening in the world right now. Uh, well, at this point, Carl, do I expect the world to be anything other than just a giant shit show? Are you looking forward to Christmas when also three households can mix in the UK? Uh, no, because it's causing <laughs> big arguments in my family because we're five households. Oh, no. So we get right into that, I suppose. Yeah, um, so Britain's fucked. Again. Yep. So three households, like a second. So we're out of lockdown, probably when uh, in next week. But yeah. then we're back into the tier system. But now the tier system has been changed, but you can still go to the pub. Um, you can still go to the pub, like barbers are reopening again. Basically, they're reopening everything almost for December so people go spend money and then going to lock down everything when it goes to shit in January. Uh, probably, yeah. And then three households can mix at Christmas. So, like, God damn, that's going to be a nightmare. So let's just move swiftly past that because, man, we've talked about the lockdown for a long time. It's almost like it's an ongoing problem. That the world's yep. have to deal with. And just get into just like stuff that's happened to us this week. So a few interesting things have happened to both me and you. Mm-hmm. And uh, first things first is episode 57? I think it's 57. 57. I'm getting it right so I will time confirm um, while you just continue talking. Yeah, so it's episode 57, potentially, depending on um, how good my memory is of the podcast. Uh, yeah, 57. Episode 57. And uh, yeah, just... A couple of interesting things happened this week I thought we can talk about because mm-hmm. <laughs> something I noticed on your channel, Lucas, because you are oh, yeah. a, a personal channel away from Fact Fiend. Uh, I do, yeah. Legend of Kanto, yes. Legend of Kanto, yeah. All right, a bunch of gaming stuff on there, playthroughs with me, playthroughs with Jenna, then some just like some other projects that you've been like periodically working on. Every now and again. then when I just get a, a, an extra few minutes to like try something else out. Yeah. yeah, just an additional creative outlet for you beyond just editing videos of me reading wikipedia pages which i guess isn't the most creatively stimulating thing even if it does pay well i hope at least anyway it does pay well yeah recently you've spied my miles morales yes Uh, yeah we've been starting a playthrough of that on the ps5 and i believe lucas you got some feedback to the (laughs) episodes you've uploaded so far and i hope you know what i'm goading you into mentioning because it, i know which you which one you're referring to yeah it gave me a giggle and i thought it could be something that we could use as like just a, a jumping off point for um uh, the discussion so yeah people just don't understand how youtube content works still no they really don't it's a it's kind of like it's partly sad and partly infuriating when you've just got people like screaming at you to change your content and in this specific case, um, I will I will bring up what you're referring to. Yes. Um, so there's one comment that just was like, 40 minute long episodes, at, and then the last word in capitals, at least. <laughs> and that is it. So the only comment you've got, not good work, this is fun, just 40 minute episodes, at least. Just the only interaction this person has left on your content is, Give me more of the free content I don't pay for. Yeah, and um, I did actually reply to this person because when I first started my channel, like I do prefer longer-form content myself, and we were yeah. playing through Breath of the Wild, which we were playing like a lot of, and I was putting out episodes that were 30 minutes to an hour long. Yes. And just consistently, no matter how many people were watching, the average view time was still only about 15 minutes. Yes, and uh, this is true of regular fact theme videos where no matter how long they have been, 
the only statistic on our channel that has never changed is nine minutes and 32 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I know that figure because it has never shifted. That is the average viewing time on every video. That's the lifetime average viewing, and it has virtually never changed. Um, regardless, So regardless of how long videos are, the average view time is always nine and a half minutes. And then for my gaming stuff, it's always regardless of how long the thing is, whether it's 20 minutes to an hour, it will mm-hmm. always be, on average, 15 minutes. So it makes sense to make content 20 to 25 minutes long. Yeah, because like obviously it's one of those things of if the average time is 15 minutes, you will be getting people on both ends of that spectrum of some people are watching longer, some people are watching less. Yes, but at the same time, you don't want... The longer your content is, like the less of it's being watched. The um... Yeah, if you, if you go much past like 2025, 20, the amount of people actually finishing the videos is just minuscule. And then that affects your um, ratings with the algorithm. But just the idea that I, I, I wish I could be as confident as a person <laughs> who just goes in and, says, and demands demands more free stuff that they're not paying for. And that's the thing is it's more about like the tone that you take when you're trying to approach creators as, you know, the way I would like to be spoken to is more along the lines of just, look, I really enjoy the content, would appreciate if the episodes were longer, at which point, you know, I could explain, look, I have tried that. And I, di- I did reply in a nice enough way regardless, but just think for a moment about the person you're speaking to on the other end of that screen. Of like, I've put this stuff out for free. So we had to rush to get in Spider-Man, uh, the PS5 got released. I think we talked about it on the last podcast. You were getting it the day after we recorded that podcast. Yes. Yeah. You got it. You had to travel to get it. You had to get it to a different house. You set it up. You did all the updates. You installed it. You like, It was basically an entire day's work. And then we recorded an hour. And then mm-hmm. you went and you edited that footage, uploaded it, and then we recorded more. Yeah, I literally got an episode out like... We recorded one hour, half an hour later, there was the first episode up on the channel, like, a week behind America, because we couldn't do anything about that, the console Mm -hmm. came out a week later, over here, but almost as soon as I could physically, possibly get an episode live on my channel, there was one there. Yeah, and then just the first response you get, it's not, this is great, or thanks, it's just, fuck you, give us more. (laughs) Yep. It's amazing. And I've had a few comments and, like, um, obviously there are positive comments as well, but you can't really make much of a conversation around just, like, I like this. Uh, But then there's other other comments where I've had, I need more of this. Like, upload more now. It's just like, okay, look, like every playthrough on my channel, I've got a few going, and I don't want to spam my page. I don't want to use up all my content at once. Two episodes every week. And it's a nice, consistent schedule then. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like, just as a creator, how, how do you feel when, like, that is the level of interaction that you can inspire in a person? Like, not even a hello, just fuck you, I want more. Honestly, um, it's a bit disheartening when you put it into that way of thinking. But if you actually take a step back and look and go, oh... I think on the, that episode, the first one, there was like 1,100 views so far. So nothing mm-hmm. nothing massive. But of those 1,100 views, I got like two people making disheartening comments. It's like, oh, yeah. when, when the percentile is that low, it's just one of those things of it's got to just be water off a dog's back, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. We should address the fact that these are a vocal minority, but the operative word in that term is vocal. Mm-hmm. And it's also as well, because it's negative, it's more fun to talk about. Because... 
negativity sells on the internet. I'm hoping it's what publishes like this podcast keeps people coming back week after week. Like, what pissed <laughs> off Carl this week? What is he angry about this week? Which could lead us into the interesting thing that happened to me. Oh God! Which is um, uh, I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, this is known. It is known. It is. Yeah, I am on Twitter, and um, uh, on occasion I've been known to tweet things that people get mad about. Just on occasion. On occasion, Carl. On occasion, yes. It and, does feel uh, like a, a, every occasion, like in 2020, does does feel like another year, doesn't it? It does, yes. But um, I genuinely thought one of the things I was putting out the other day was like probably one of the most just not wholesome. But I just, I just think it was just cool. It's like, oh, this is a neat thing. I I just like people to discuss this because it's interesting. Because we, um, I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast, but then we made a video about it, and we just in general privately have talked about the idea of bring the MCU. Uh, to bring X-Men into the MCU, you move the X-Men forward a couple of years mm-hmm. um, and put Professor X and Magneto set their origin story no longer in World War Two, which is like 80 years ago at this point, and it's difficult to uh, find a justification for having like a 90-year-old Holocaust survivor yeah. flying around and punching people. Um, move their backstory forward to the civil rights movement and make both the actor and cast two black actors to play them. Mm-hmm. And we released a video where we discussed that, and so far it's got near overwhelmingly positive responses. Yeah, cool. Like the, you, a couple of the usual suspects that we can talk about in a moment, but almost even people who are like, I don't really, I never thought of the idea of like you know changing the race of these characters. But Lance, the two people we picked were Lance Reddick for Professor X mm-hmm. and Giancarlo Esposito for Magneto. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people who are like, well, I, I never thought I'd agree with changing the race of these characters, but Lance Reddick in particular, that's fucking pitch perfect casting. Yeah. So I tweeted about that. I went, oh, just in, here's a video we've done because I realized I've got to start promoting my content more. Um, <laughs> and put just a picture of Mr. Lance Reddick looking exactly like the picture I found of Mr. Uh, Professor X. Yes. He looks exactly like the character, <laughs> save for the fact he is black. But then again, that doesn't really matter because like, the only thing that people know about Professor he's bald and he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. And then one of Giancarlo Esposito from The Mandalorian, where he's wearing armor and a cape, so he even looks like Magneto. <laughs> and um, just, it's really weird. Like, I, and again, responses here, mostly positive, but there are a few, a vocal minority, and vocal in the opposite word here, who just really didn't like it. But they did that thing where they danced around saying why they didn't like this choice. Yeah, of course they did, yeah. Because of course they're going to dance around. Like, they don't want to say publicly, I just don't like the fact they're black. They have to come up with some twisted, convoluted reason. For like, no, it's just not true to the comics. And I <laughs> had that argument with a couple of people. But Magneto's backstory is so intrinsically tied to World War II. It's like, no, it's not. That was an element of his characterization introduced 10 years after he was created. Yeah. So next point, please. Because that's the one I got. Oh, you can't change the characters too much. Like they literally changed Magneto's backstory to make him a Holocaust survivor. But to make him more sympathetic because they realised he was just a villain and he had no real motivation. (laughs) And I understand that has improved the character. But as you say, they slap that on him years after the fact just to make him a sympathetic character. Yeah, they also changed it again and made him not... um, of one of the other criticisms, oh, but Magneto being Jewish is so intrinsic to his characters. Again, that's an aspect of his characterization that was changed multiple times. Wants to make him Jewish, wants to make him not Jewish, 
when they had a plot line where it was, I think, Secret Wars, where Magneto mm-hmm. was part of the Illuminati. They're like, oh, it probably isn't a good look to have our one prominent Jewish character be in charge <laughs> of a secret world order trying to take over the planet. Yeah. And then they, gave it, and then they brought him... It's, oh, no, that was a cover story. He actually is Jewish. It's like, yeah, um, Marvel and DC and all the comic companies, they play with the canon. They do, and it's almost as if comic books are a, a just a, basically a media form where you can do whatever you want with characters. Yes, and that led to just a couple of responses that I highlighted on Twitter. They were just so, just, ugh. And the first one I got was um, someone who, in response to this, just said, just pick a guy who looks like Professor X. To which my response was, why are nerds so fucking boring? Mm-hmm. Because, oh... I don't want this because we explain in the video in more details like this is why this would be interesting because the X Men people don't know are were literally inspired by the nascent civil rights movement. Yes, um, Stanley himself went on record as saying the X Men are uh, like an allegory for the civil rights movement. Uh, Magneto and Professor X are supposed to be uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, Doctor Martin Luther King. Uh, mm-hmm. respectively, in return, regards to their ideologies towards race relations, and you translate that to mutant relations with humans. So making them black is actually a more direct allusion to that, and is actually more true to the inspiration of the entire fucking series. <laughs> but e- uh, even discounting all of that, I think Lance Reddick looks exactly like um, uh, Professor X. I don't know about you. Um, He looks very similar, yeah. So he looks more like Professor X, I'm going to put it out there, than James McAvoy did. Definitely, yeah. Which I thought was just really funny. Um, that's actually something I was speaking to about with Jenna. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was mentioning what, you know, this, this little Twitter argument. I was like, look, I didn't see many people kicking off when Magneto and Professor X became like young guys that were, you know, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, James McAvoy was walking around and had long hair and everyone was just like, oh, yeah, cool, Professor X. They've changed mm-hmm. him up. No one had a problem with Hugh Jackman being a foot taller than Wolverine, supposed to be in the comic, and Australian. And not wearing his iconic outfit. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, had no a leather one, jacket. No one had a problem with Nick Fury being Samuel L. Jackson. Nope. No and one to had clarify, a like, they only changed Nick Fury, what, a couple of years before Nick, uh, Sam Jackson joined the MCU? Well, that was Ultimate Nick Fury. Nick Fury in the original comics was always white, and then they changed it for the mainline Marvel continuity because of the popularity of Sam Jackson. Right, so he was... The original Nick Fury was still white. white at the time. Yeah. Right. And I think the Nick Fury in the comics is Nick Fury Jr., and he said that he's the son of the original Nick Fury, and he had an affair with a black lady. I don't know oh, okay, the exact yeah. backstory, but they made him look like Sam Jackson because fucking why would you not? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... Again, why are nerds so fucking boring that I want to see the same story I've seen being told for the last 20 years again? Mm-hmm. Don't change it. Just tell me the exact same story again. It's like, really? Re- also, like Lance Reddick is a fantastic actor. Why can't you just trust that he'd be a good choice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I don't get. But then another response I got on this is one. Some people just like accurate portrayals, and that is part of and that part of that is its appearance. It's not really any different to wanting a reasonably accurate costume. I don't think people would be too happy if film Spider-Man's costume was yellow with only a spider on the front and no webbing. To which again I responded, why are nerds so fucking boring? <laughs> also, one of the most popular games of this year, and one we just talked about, Spider-Man PS4. 
includes yes. a redesign of Spider-Man, which is black, that everybody fucking loves. And, and I features... just don't understand the idea of, especially picking out Spider-Man, no one would want a different Spider-Man outfit. Everyone loves different Spider-Man outfits. Like one of the draws of Spider-Man PS4 is like the two dozen interesting, unique outfits they put in from his comic history. He's one of the characters that had the most redesigns of anybody. <laughs> and the best bit is and as well. Carl, no one would like to see Spider-Man in a different outfit. It's like fucking up. And my favourite bit about that is the guy responded, and like this is the guy, Lucas, who in our private uh, Facebook group keeps doubling down because folks are ah, okay this goes places because after that <laughs> i was like i just retweeted that uh, with a picture of all the hundreds of spider-man costumes in the spider-man ps4 game yet uh, people certainly really don't want different spider-man costumes despite that being one of the key draws of this game yeah to which he responded did you see the picture lucas uh, is this the yellow one the yellow it's basically a the yellow morph suit, morph suit uh, which is like oh um, they're all easily identifiable as Spider-Man, plus they're optional. That's not the same as if Spider-Man was released wearing this. And I just went, and he sent in what is unironically a rad fucking costume because it's like a completely yellow spandex suit with like a balaclava type thing on top and then yellow eye holes. Mm-hmm. And it looks so fucking cool. It's a really cool looking morph suit, yeah. And if you put if you put a spider on the front of that, I'd go, sick, that's a great Spider-Man redesign. I'm curious to see what they do with this. Mm-hmm. So the same way where in the Miles Morales playthrough, there's a bit where Miles Morales makes his own Spider-Man costume. Yeah. And they have the bit of him drafting a few ideas. And one of the ideas is bright purple with green accents. Mm-hmm. And both me and you went. I'm kind of mad they didn't go for that because that'd be, a, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because as long as it has the spider on the front, I don't give a fuck what it looks like. Not really, no. And even then, it doesn't really need the spider. As long as it has, like, you know, the other things, like the silhouette of Spider-Man, I'd argue, is iconic enough where that can sell the character well if you if you showed me a silhouette of spider-man doing like you know the standard crouching pose i'd know it was spider-man yeah and even if it's like um bearing in mind some of the costumes in the comics is where like he wears a surplus fantastic four uniform with a bag on his head (laughs) and that is in the game it's ridiculous oh god like i would love a game where they won't fuck it Spider-Man is Bagman, and we're just giving you a Bagman game. I'd, I'd buy a, a, a bombastic Bagman game. That sounds yeah. sick. But uh, <laughs> the guy, as I mentioned, he doubled down. And um, he was having arguments with people in the comments. And he's still, as of the time of recording, he's still arguing with people in my comments uh, in response right. to my threats. So these are all from the same guy. And it was um, uh, in response to somebody else was, uh, this is his idea of how you bring Professor X into the, the movies. Uh, I meant if Professor X had his mind trapped in someone else's head and then took over their body, the people we're talking about were probably fine with that example. Since in that, since in that one, Professor X started as white. And, Just say it, mate. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. my response to that was. It's very telling how careful you are to use distancing language to make this sound like you're speaking about other people when it's not just your own shitty opinion that you don't want him to be black. Mm-hmm. Like when you have to come up with a convoluted explanation of look. Maybe other people who aren't me, but I'm going to argue on behalf of for an entire day, yeah. um, would accept Professor X being black if he started white. It's like, why does that matter? Why can't you just hire a good actor to play him? That's the thing is, why do you need to come up with some bullshit explanation about the fact that, oh, he, he got his mind trapped in a black man's body? 
that no, he can just be black. Because the most important thing to his characterization is the fact he's in a fucking wheelchair. His mind is the thing that makes him such a charismatic leader. Like and skin that's the thing color. is, I would um, I would argue like for example, a character like Miles Morales. I think it's a lot more important that you know he has um, a Latina uh, mother and a black father. I think that's very much intrinsic to his character origins, and yeah. it would be a bit of a betrayal of the character to like change that. But Professor yeah. X, it doesn't matter. And I saw a phenomenal comment um, in response in one, like this Twitter thread, where someone basically just shut this guy the fuck down. Like, Look, there are only a handful of characters where you can argue being white is intrinsic to their character, mm-hmm. and probably one of the biggest is Batman, because Bruce Wayne is supposed to be so detached from the problems of Gotham because he's a rich billionaire playboy. He has to be white. And I saw it like fucking hell, that's brutal, but it's true. I mean, Why yeah, would I, guess, I guess that's right, yeah. Because if he was a rich billionaire black guy, even if he's like, you know, so far because of his wealth and his power, he still has that connection to injustice and problems in the world mm-hmm. because he's fucking black. It's like you had a story a couple months ago. I think it's a, a guy who owns like a baseball, no, a basketball team in Canada or something. Billionaire owner of a basketball team got harassed by the police in the stadium that he owns. Oh my God. And the police were like, no, you you assaulted me first. And he's like, I'm literally on camera. I own this place. I've got 40 security guards who say that you're lying. Man. Talking but out. like someone like Batman, I just thought that was a really good takedown. But anyway, uh, the guy can... I just left this conversation on Twitter and went and did some work. And then came back and we had... And this argument had been raging for those two hours. This guy doubling down every single time someone responded to him, which culminated mm-hmm. in him saying, which I saw, and I saw this tweet out of context and just folded completely in half. <laughs> uh, uh, but we could always use the example of a historical film. I don't see why a black guy with good makeup can't play Stephen Hawking or a white guy with good makeup can't play Obama. And oh. Lucas, just think, this is a guy you started up with. Look, I, I just think people like characters to look like they're doing the comics and somehow ended up a couple hours later <laughs> just saying, look, why can't a white guy in blackface play Obama? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, he went some places. He did. And my favourite thing about this guy is, is that after I retweeted that, but just saying, I can't believe how far this guy went to try and double down and triple down and quadruple down and quintuple down on his awful shitty take that he's like, you know what, blackface is okay. His immediate response to that is, I never said that blackface is okay. It's like I just have a quote from you saying that it's fine if this yeah. happens. And I responded with just a picture of his own quote and he's, he responded to that, that's not what I said. And I just went, you know what? I'm blocking this guy because clearly he's just a fucking moron. Like, I love the argument of, here's a screenshot of what you said. I didn't say that. That's not what I meant. You're taking it out of context. It's literally a screenshot of your exact quote. <laughs> <laughs> and the best bit is, every single person who responded to him is like, you literally just said that 10 minutes ago. And he's like, no, I didn't. You're twisting my words. You're twisting my words. And then that led to another guy jumping in to be like, whoa, 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 Carl. Are you saying that blackface is not okay? Because, and then they said, and this is a quote from another guy, and I quote, I think there should be a distinction between blackface and photorealistic makeup. Oh, God. So already you know this is going to be good. One is cartoonishly done to mock an entire race. The other is done to look like a specific person. 
For example, I don't consider Jimmy Fallon dressing as Chris Rock for a sketch to be blackface. Um, something I'd like to point out, Jimmy Fallon himself came out and said it was blackface and it was wrong. Yep. So the only example this other guy came up with is one that the person he's trying to defend immediately went, it's indefensible. There's no excuse for what I did. And I'm really again, sorry. I apologise profusely. It's like, for fuck's and again, that guy just went and went and went defending what he'd said, saying, no, you are wrong. And just what an interesting morning that was for me, because I was working throughout mm-hmm. and I only picked up to check in on Twitter and just saw. Like the first snippet was like the Spider-Man bit. And then a couple hours later, I was like, oh, I'll check my phone and see what's going on. Oh, why have I got like 80 responses to this one thing? Oh, the guy's now defending blackface. An hour later, now he's saying that he didn't, but I can see, it's like, oh God. It was amazing because I didn't really keep up with any of it past like the first couple of tweets. All I saw is like, you know, you and someone else in our um, in our chat on my phone, just like, oh my God, he's doubling down. Oh my God, he's defending blackface. I was, what is going on? All because I just said, hey guys, wouldn't it be cool? if you cast these actors as Magneto and Professor X, because I think they'd do a good job. And I and still, like, there. double, triple down on the fact they would be great, and I really want to see that portrayal. I'd be dis- I'm going to be disappointed, I know that, because Marvel wouldn't do it. I don't think they will. They're just going to make them white and just say uh, mutants age slower. I just thought it'd be an interesting take, but it's just... <laughs> like, who wakes up and goes, you know what I'm going to do today? Defend Blackface. Defend blackface in media. That's the hill I need to die on today. Jesus Christ. And we've not even gone into the guy who, when I said, nerds are so fucking boring, got really mad and upset and said, Carl, I can't believe you're um, generalizing an entire group in an insulting manner. And it's like, fuck off. Oh my God. Nerds are not a disenfranchised group. It's a. F- <laughs> also, I'm a nerd. It's self depreciating. Yeah. Oh, and God, it, so. oh, God, it's just a thing said in jest to, like, mock a, just a bunch of people that are, oh, my God, well, you can't you can't stop Magneto being a Holocaust victim. Like, never do it, never do it. He can't be black. It's wrong. It's like, just, like, have a bit of fucking faith in a new idea. Mm-hmm. And we did talk about that, and obviously it's a, a nuanced conversation that we've had a couple of times before, so I invite yeah. people to go to see the video we made on that, which um, presumably will be linked below. If Lucas remembers, they can go watch it, but that guy was amazing because just... I'm going to get the exact quote now because it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> because I legitimately thought it was fake. Like, it's one of those things, that it's, a, it's a quote I thought was fake. Oh, okay. Until I saw the guy double down in my comments and get really mad about it. So it's, oh, um, uh, thanks for generalizing an entire group, Carl. Like I haven't dealt with enough shit today. Frowny face. In response to me saying, why are nerds so fucking boring? And I just retweeted that with just the caption, beyond parody. Because <laughs> like, if you were going to say, what, like, write a generic, over-the-top hyperbolic example of a super defensive nerd. Yeah. That would be what you do, isn't it? But like, I can't believe you're generalizing an entire group of people by simply saying the statement, why are nerds boring? And, and also, I, I like, oh, I've had enough today already. Like, thank you. As if it's some kind of personal attack on this person. Yeah, just a simple 
not even that bad statement. That is self-depreciating because I am a self-admitted nerd. Yeah. But uh, a couple hours later, I saw that that guy had responded, wow, triggered much, Cal. Was a fan. But this is for you. But if this is how you like to play when people make simple observations, you're not worth it. There was no- nothing odd in what I said, but you like to pretend it's beyond parody. Good job looking like a fuckwit. Which I retweeted putting further beyond parody. Because... <laughs> Again, you'd think that was fake. I read it as thinking it was sarcastic. Of It's someone going, oh, wait to generalise a group of people, Carl. It was like a sarcastic. It's like, no, the guy was 100% serious. He felt personally attacked by the phrase, why are nerds so boring? Mm-hmm. And just, that's amazing. Oh, this God. is what it means to go further beyond parody. <laughs> just Super Saiyan 3 parody, man. It's impossible. Oh, God. And I, those are the type of people where you just have to not argue. Like, you just have to... Literally, okay. There's okay. no arguing with people like that. No. It's uh, like, uh, you've probably seen all like, the screenshots of like, Trump fans who are still insistent that he won the election. It's like, there's no arguing with people who are brain rot to this degree. Well, in fact, something came up on my Twitter literally not long ago of uh, okay. Trump tweeting out, should President Trump concede to Biden? Poll results, No. At 98.9%, yes, 1.1%. It's like Donald Trump put out a poll asking Donald Trump fans if Donald Trump just concede. And weirdly enough, they said no. My favourite thing is, is when the election happened and he was retweeting polls saying, who do you think won the election? You could see that he voted in them. <laughs> it was like, what a fucking baby. There's no arguing with people like this. The old... The famous quote, isn't it? Never argue with an idiot. Mm-hmm. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. And uh, yeah. speaking of just really stupid pieces of content, um, over the last couple of days, my girlfriend read Ready Player One. Oh no, uh, Lucas, have you read Ready Player One? Uh, I refuse to get anywhere near Ready Player One because it just seems awful. It is awful, and that's why I made my girlfriend read it. <laughs> Um, uh, because basically I, I've talked about it a lot and it was like came up on Netflix as this suggestion and I told her about like how, just how bad it is. It's mm. like, it can't be as bad as you say it is. And people who somehow have escaped Ready Player One, it is. And the way I described it is, imagine if someone turned a Funko Pop into a book. <laughs> it is the most surface level um, references to media with absolutely no deviation or... Interest, uh, interesting elements to it. It is literally just what is the most uh, recognisable element of insert particular piece of media, put that in. Yeah, and I think I've heard a couple of friends talk about the book and then I've saw trailers for the film and especially the trailers for the film because it's just easy to digest. Mm-hmm. The It was just, oh, here are references everywhere to what we think is popular right now. Yes, and the book is fucking god-awful, and it is written by um, a huge nerd called Ernest Klein. And the way I sum this book, or the way I summed it up to my girlfriend is, it's like, when I first read this book, I legitimately thought it was parody. And I thought it was a parody of entitled nerd guys, similar to the people we've just been talking about. Yeah. Of, like, their worldview is just... The con- or their personality is just content I have, pre- I have consumed. That is it. Mm-hmm. And um, my, one of my and the reason I thought that, is, and I acted on that assumption until about three quarters of the way through the book, until I messaged the person who borrowed it to me, asking them when is the twist, 
to which they responded, what do you mean, the twist? I went, well, the twist that the main character's an arsehole. Mm-hmm. He went, there is no twist. <laughs> he, he just acts like that, and it's he's, it's played completely straight. And I guess, like, if you've not read the book, it's difficult to explain. So, essentially, you've seen, I'm guessing, the film, you know, the basic plot? Um, Something about, oh, you can find the key to the Oasis and yeah, okay, become, so like, the, the owner of it and get super rich. Okay, so it's uh, it's described on the front of the book as Willy Wonka meets the Matrix, which immediately put me off. But Christ. Uh, it is a post-apocalyptic world where um, the world, the internet has essentially taken over everything, and there's a new form of internet called like the Oasis, mm-hmm. where it costs twenty-five cents to access, and you get put like a headset and some gloves on, and it has everything that has ever been created in it. It's essentially it's just the Matrix, but it's not full of evil robots. No, it's just boring as fuck. Yeah, like you can do anything, you can go anywhere, and most importantly, every piece of pop culture from the 80s just uh, permeates that entire world because mm. the guy who invented the, uh, the Oasis, a guy called Halliday, was obsessed with the 80s. And he left three Easter eggs or three keys inside the Oasis that anyone who can track down or decipher the clues that he left can go get. And because he was obsessed with the 80s, if you want to find these keys, you have to, like, you know, just consume everything 80s. And the main character is a fucking bellend. <laughs> I, I, I say that in the nicest possible way. He is every weird nerd guy you have ever met. Yeah. You know the guys who they think being able to memorize quotes from a movie makes them better than you? Oh, yeah, yeah. He is that guy. And... That's not me taking the piss. The final chapter of this book, like the final challenge, is reciting, um, I believe it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail word for word. Oh. And he is rewarded for this by inheriting a trillion dollar company that controls the entire planet. <laughs> uh, that That's the plot. The plot is, guys who wait, like, you didn't waste your life memorizing... Um, uh, quotes and trivia about video games and movies from the 80s. Yeah. That, that actually makes you the most special person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just... What I did is I asked my girlfriend to read it and she said it's fucking awful and she was complaining the entire time, which was very funny to me. And <laughs> God bless her, she has actually like properly gone and done like, a, an almost pseudo-book report on this thing because she handed <laughs> me back the book with... I shit you not, because I'm going to... There's the book right there. It has post-it notes stuck throughout it with notes about problematic and annoying things she found. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So I, I was like, this is uh, amazing. This is so... Because she did that, I said, I will discuss it on the podcast. Okay. Because like, I made her read it, and I, I, I'm really sorry that I did, but she needed to know how bad <laughs> it was. And um, oh, here we go. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, wow. I just opened it up on the first one. It says um, Big Wang 69. Wait, wait, why does it say? Why have I opened it up and it says Big Wang sixty nine, Pimp Grease and Big Wang sixty nine? Wait, what? Oh yeah, here we go. Dun, dun. Try to find it. Ah, there we go. Sorry, it was, um, the post-it note was stuck on the wrong side. So uh, the first bit is um, uh, so the uh, the main character I think is Wade Watts. He goes because in the Oasis you can make your avatar look however you want. You can, yeah. And uh, he talks about how some people just walk around like Dark Elves from World of Warcraft. Some people go around looking like Master Chief. Some people go around being like a, a three-foot-tall dwarf. Of course, uh, yeah. With, like, you know, neon sunglasses on. Because why would you not? And exactly. 
Uh, he goes on this huge long rant in the book, and I'm going to try and find it now. Do, 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 do. Oh, no, I don't know if she's found it here. She's just got the specific description here. So, so what he does, he goes on a huge rant about how girls inside the Oasis always make their characters' models way too attractive. Like, they make it so they've got the huge bust and the tiny waist. Yeah. And like he says, oh, it's really bad that they do that. And he talks about how um, guys will always go for the huge, big, muscular bodies that aren't representative of who they are and how that makes them just like, you know, lesser in his eyes. You know that kind of guy? Mm-hmm. So, oh, I don't know why girls wear makeup. I prefer girls to look natural. It's that sort of energy. God. Mm-hmm. And just, first of all, fuck you, guy. People can choose to look however they want. They can present themselves however they want. This is a world where I can walk around like a fucking dark elf from World of Warcraft. If I want to make my tits bigger, I can make my tits bigger. But keep in mind, he hates that. And one of the things that attracts him to the other character, and that's introduced later, Artemis, is because her character model is um, a slightly chubby girl. Okay. And he becomes obsessed with her because it's a realistic body type. Okay. Uh, So keep that in mind. And he says, oh, that's probably what she looks like in real life, and that's why I think uh, she's so attractive. Mm. He's attracted to her because she presents, even in this virtual world where you can be whoever you want, she presents herself as she actually is in the real world. So you got that in mind yet? And that's one of the things, and he judges people for not doing that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here we go. A small mirror was mounted inside my locker, and I caught a glimpse of my virtual self as I closed it. I designed my avatar's face and body to look more or less like my own. So this is him saying more or less like my own. My avatar had a slightly smaller nose than me. He was taller, thinner, more muscular, and he didn't have acne. But aside from those minor details, we looked more or less identical. (laughs) Lucas thoughts. <laughs> so he wants to make himself taller, slimmer, more muscular, changes get rid of his acne and change his nose. But other than that, he looks exactly like him. And keep in mind, this comes immediately after he shit talks women and talks about how embarrassing it is that they don't have the confidence to present themselves as they are. And then immediately does like the small dick energy. I need to look taller. Yeah, I have done the exact same thing, but it's okay when I do it because I only did it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Therefore, becoming... And this is page 28. So by page 28, he's already a massive hypocrite. (laughs) And there's already like another like 300 pages to go. But like Lucas, thoughts on that? And this is like... This is where I got to in the book and I went, oh my God, this is amazing. Because I thought this is a genius work of parody. Yeah. Because within 30 pages, this character is a huge hypocrite. And I was hoping that eventually someone's just going to talk him down and address like, will you change the way that you look? You're exactly as bad as them. And maybe he'd examine his behavior. But no, he never does. No, Carl, he's the hero. He's the hero. And that's fucking incredible. Like, just, oh, the double standards. And as you say, it is parody by accident. Like the guy has written a piece of parody that he doesn't even realize is parody. Because he's so stupid, he can't comprehend it. He, like I said, Lucas, this is what it means to go further beyond parody. Super Saiyan 3 parody is happening. Well, I have Super Saiyan 4 parody for you if you want to know. Okay, sure, go for it. I don't know. Uh, I, I saw the name Ernest Klein pop up a couple of days ago. Oh, you, is it because Ready Player 2's... Um, uh... No. Well, it might be people like resurfacing this because of that. Oh, is this his poem? This is the poem. Oh, I was, I've was i got that loaded up on my computer already. Oh, do you? To, to, yeah, I wanted to read it later. 
so we can get a feel for the kind of man that Ernest Klein is. So I'm more than happy to get into that. But yeah, like so already, Lucas. Like this guy's a bit of a prick, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, just immediately, like, he's just a fucking hypocrite, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah, and it, there's oh god, I can I just know what type of guy he is without ever knowing anything about him. Like, the way my girlfriend described it is, he's one of those guys who's like, oh, girls don't like me because I like video games and nerdy shit. And it's like, no, they don't like you because you're a fucking prick and you don't shower. He's also definitely the girls don't want nice guys. I'm a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, are you a nice guy? Or are you the type of guy that tells women it's not okay to change themselves and then changes yourself? And then justifies it to yourself, making you a hypocrite. And so, you know what? But people don't generally like interacting with people like that. <laughs> oh, but the next one we've got is chapter three. And this is, oh, according to the note, um, just a description of Artemis, the female love interest. So, Lucas, are you ready for this? Oh, God, go on. Okay, so, who the hell are you? The silhouette demanded. The voice sounded like it belonged to a young woman, one who was itching for a fight. This guy's a paid author, folks at home. <laughs> when I failed to answer, a stocky female avatar set out of the shadows and into the chambers, flickering torchlight. She had raven hair, styled Joan of Arc short, and appeared to be in her late teens or early twenties. As she got closer, I realised I knew her. We never actually met, but I recognised her face from the dozens of screenshots she posted to her blog. It was Artemis, and Artemis is spelled with a three. And even exp- and one of the things that um, Ernest Klein does is explain stuff <sighs> that doesn't need explaining because he's supposed to be writing this for nerds. But then does he, says, he oh, explain speak? It's Artemis, but with a three. It's leet speak, a way of spelling. It's like, fuck, we don't need to know this. <laughs> so I think there's one bit where he logs in and he buys, um, like, hacking information from, like, leethackers.com. Oh, God. Anyway, so she wore a scaled gunmetal blue armour that looked more sci-fi than fantasy. Twin blaster pistols were slung low on her hips in a quick-draw fashion. There was a long, curved, elvish sword in a scabbard across her back, and she wore fingerless road, road warrior-style racing gloves and a pair of classic Ray-Ban shades. Overall, she seems to be going for a sort of mid-80s, post-apocalyptic, cyberpunk, girl-next-door look, and it was working for me in a big way. I'm sorry, word, what, the, what was that string of words? It was eight, mid-80s, post-apocalyptic, cyberpunk, girl-next-door. Yeah, because they all blend together so fucking well. And that's one of the things I love about this book is that everything he tries to combine from like the 80s is just so fucking ugly. Mm-hmm. Like when he talks about, oh, when I first got all the money, cause he, he ends up finding one of the first keys and you and parlays that into sponsorships, which he uses to buy a DeLorean, which he then puts like the Ghostbusters logo on it and then like Kit's thing from Knight Rider. And it's like, it's so fucking ugly. And it's just, as we were saying, it's just like the most base level references everywhere just slammed together without thought as many references why for the sake of references mm-hmm. just get those nerds just so fucking hard carl and if you like if anyone at home is thinking well surely this is just a character ernest klein wrote it's like i should point out that when he sold this book and made his first million dollars he bought a delorean <laughs> And his official profile or author portrait for Ready Player Two is him in front of his DeLorean wearing a Rush jersey holding a proton pack from Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, God. You can't write it. Also, as well, like, just in terms of the hypocrisy things, and I think my girlfriend's highlighted this specific part, but he talks about how the big bads in the world, Sixers, they're called, because they have 
rather than a, a screen name, just a string of six numbers because they all work for a massive corporation who's trying to get the Oasis. Because if they course, solve yeah. the problem, they'll get the Oasis. And he talks about how it's really unfair that they use their vast resources to basically just buy their way to victory. When he ends up getting sponsored, um, he talks about how he just buys all the best weapons and vehicles and armor in the game. <laughs> he's like, it's bad when the big corporation does it, but it's okay when I do it. That's the classic, isn't it? Of just, it's okay when I do it. And it's I- all right when I do it. Like, I've seen some of the screenshots floating around of like uh, the next level, Ready Player Two, and he talks about how he spies on people through their headsets. Oh, God. Yep. And bear in mind as well, he talks about how the evil corporation would only use the Oasis for their own personal ends and they wouldn't consider the original intention of the creator. Doesn't he, he spa- isn't he in this book to get money? Yeah. The first thing he does when he gets uh, the opportunity is immediately sell out. <laughs> anyway, we move on to the next part. Oh, yeah, I forgot. At one point in this book, they literally just have a chapter that is chat logs between the main character and Artemis as they're oh. talking on future MSN. So, Lucas, would you like to hear the, f- the future MSN? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, my girlfriend has highlighted it at one specific bit, but here we go. So, right, so uh, I'll start here. Here we go. So this is Parcival, or Wade Watts, the main character, asking Artemis some questions. So, do you work or go to school? College. Studying what? Artemis, it's my turn. What do you do when you're not hunting? Parsable, nothing. Hunting is all I do. I'm hunting right now, in fact. Multitasking all over the goddamn place. This is a professional millionaire author who got to meet Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Artemis, same here. Parsable, really? You keep an eye on the scoreboard then, just in case. Artemis, you do that, Ace. What are you studying in college? Poetry and creative writing. Man, if only Ernest Klein would have studied that. <laughs> uh, Parsable, that makes sense. You're a fantastic writer. I... I, I feel like Ernest Klein is writing this to himself. Um, <laughs> He's just giving the... himself a pat on the back, like, you're a really good writer. Well, something I should highlight is something my girlfriend pointed out has been like the most obnoxious thing is the first six to eight pages of the Ready Player One book are positive reviews. Oh, no. He just posted positive reviews at the start. Oh, God. So, Parsifal, just turned 18 last month. Artemis, don't you think we're getting a little personal now? Not even remotely. Artemis, I'm 19. Parsifal, ah, an older woman. Hot. No, no, no. Lucas. No, no. Lucas, we cringing now. Artemis, that is, if I am a woman. Parsifal, are you a woman? It's not your turn. Parsifal, fine. How well do you know H? Parsifal, he's been my best friend for five years. Spoilers, H is not um, uh, a guy, it's a woman. Oh, okay. And, And Lucas, right, if you were a shitty hack writer... Uh, called Ernest Klein, and the <laughs> twist was H isn't a, a a guy. What would you make H? A woman. I mean, so you got that for a start. But what specific type of woman would you make H if you were a, a shitty hack writer? What would be the twist? Um, that she's like a super hot gamer girl. Uh, no. Think go the other way. Okay. Go so the I- other way. Like, hack writer. You need to be as far removed from nerdy white gamer boy as possible. Oh, is she actually just like really ugly, overweight woman or something? Uh, she's a slightly overweight black lesbian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like and he then, went the full hog. 
And one of the best things about it is, um, during the explanation for like, wow, H, you were a woman all along. Uh, she has this really heartfelt breakdown where she talks about how, yeah, when I first logged on to the Oasis, my mum told me, um, don't make an avatar that looks like you. People like us, referring to black people, still don't get a fair shake. And this is where I realised, oh, Ernie's client's a terrible writer because the main character hears that his best friend, his best friend in the whole world, could not be who they really are with him because racism is still a pervasive issue in the world where you can go to your job in an office dressed like a fucking dark elf. <laughs> uh, he responds by getting really mad that they lied to him. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. So how dare you? I can't believe you tricked me into doing this. Like After they bear their soul and share their deepest, most personal secret to him and the fact that they were disowned by their family for being gay. And he's like, I can't believe it. Don't worry, I'll forgive you. I can't believe that you fucking lied to me. It's like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, so he reveals that in his world where you can be anything you want, racism still exists, and then he glosses over it. The world that he invented. Anyway, so Parsifal, um, he's been my best friend for five years. Now spill it. Are you a woman? And by that, I mean, are you a human female who has never had a sex change operation? Oh my God. That's pretty specific. Answer the question, Claire. What the fuck? Yeah. Transphobia still exists. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, just Lucas' thoughts on that one. Fuck me. Like, like how dare... Like, you are not tricking me, are you? How dare you trick me? Because, Lucas, you have to remember, tricking someone by pretending to be something you're not online is the worst thing you can do, says Wade Watts, man who makes himself look taller, thinner, and more muscular in his <laughs> online profile picture. He's one of those guys who's like... He lists his height as six foot tall and uses a cropped photo from when he was like 20 years younger on Tinder or something like that. And then gets mad that the woman turns up and is like not, not wearing enough makeup. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, this is a deception, isn't it? But what did you, you're not six foot tall. What, women only care about looks now, do they? <laughs> you only care about men's height. That's why I had to lie, because otherwise you wouldn't meet up with me. No self-awareness. It's, it's fucking so we, ridiculous. Uh, so we can move on. And this is a, a brief one, but this is just a note from my girlfriend, which <laughs> says that he uses three different spellings of Ultraman on one page. No. Uh, because in addition to calling Ultraman Ultraman, he also uses... Let's see if we can find it here. Do, do, do. I, I like his way he even explains what Ultraman is, which is nice. <laughs> Uh, he also as well spells it phonetically as if you were saying it with a mock Japanese accent oh, oh yeah no. here we go Orotoro Man is Japan's greatest superhero his power belongs in Japanese hands says a Japanese character called Daisho yeah so that's what happens is like they all get like the, the big bad weapon that's going to end the day and they unlock Ultraman as the giant mech they can use and they have a Japanese character say to this, to the main character, um, uh, oh no, sorry, this not. Uh, this is the main character saying to two Japanese people, "You two should keep this." Orotoro man is Japan's greatest superhero. His power belongs in Japanese hands. Oh my god! To two Japanese people, um, who throughout the novel only ever talk about honor. 
Oh no! Like every time the Japanese characters are in uh, on like uh, in a scene, they always talk about how everybody has no honor and how <sighs> dishonorable it is that they're doing this. And uh, for context, my girlfriend is half Japanese, and I saw her cringe into a ball when she was reading this bit. She got so mad at the mock Japanese accent. I feel so bad for her reading this. The best bit is as well. There's an audiobook version read by Will Wheaton. Oh god. And Will Wheaton actually does the mock Japanese accent when he says Uruthuroman. Oh god. Yeah, they use um three different spellings of Ultraman on the same page. And I asked well, what's the deal with that? Well in Japan he's just called Ultraman. Just call him fucking Ultraman. Yeah. Also, Japanese people don't constantly talk about fucking honour all the time. No. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. Oh, also, another great bit is, um, with the Will Wheaton thing, um, later in the novel, they have like a, a bit where um, Wade turns 18. He turns 18 while he's on the run like for the, the story. Okay. And during it, while he's on the run, he votes. But he has this long diatribe about, yeah, voting really doesn't matter. I don't see the point in voting, but I did put a vote in for Will Wheaton to be like the head of like the gamer party or something like that. It's like, you fucking loser. Oh my God. It's so good. And also, you know that this book is aimed at young people and the author's going, yeah, don't vote kids. It's like, fuck off. Like voting doesn't matter. Don't ever fucking tell people, especially young people, that voting doesn't matter because... Is already difficult enough to get a lot of young people to vote, so fuck you. And you know the best thing about it is as well? It's that smug Reddit energy of, huh, you really think voting matters? I'm so smart because I am cynical about everything. Mm-hmm. Says person who just, like, it's really pointless to care about politics, something that literally impacts the life of his best friend, who is a black lesbian, and talks about how the politics of the world actively disenfranchise her and stop her from being who she is. But voting doesn't matter. But voting doesn't matter, but you know what does matter, Lucas? Fucking Ultraman. (laughs) That's the best bit. He talks about, oh, politics, the thing that impacts people's lives on a base level, doesn't matter in a book that's all about how much fucking video games matter. Yeah. That's just, it's just perfectly summed up, isn't it? Of just, yeah, the only thing that matters is this fake reality. That I, um, that you can make to be whatever you want. And um, the last little bit my girlfriend highlighted, again, for context, like she is half Japanese, she lived in Japan for many years. Mm -hmm. And there is a part of the book where one of the two Japanese characters dies. And the main character is very sad because he sees a news report about the death of a Japanese, um, a young Japanese man. And it says here that he's described here. So, oh, he told me one. He told me how he and Toshiro had met six years ago when they were both enrolled in an Oasis support group for. And I hope I pronounce this correctly because my girlfriend's helpfully put some pronunciation a pronunciation guide here. Um, Hikei Komori, young people withdrawn from society and choose and chosen to live in total isolation. And this is a real thing in Japan, mm-hmm. um, where they have like it's young, usually men who um, just withdraw from society for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And um, it's often framed as a distinctly Japanese thing. But the way my girlfriend worded it is, it's only because Japanese anthropologists just got up their own ass about it. Like, you could have, the the equivalent could be, like, Joe, those, like, 600-pound people who just never leave their house. Yeah, yeah. Or alcoholics. It's just a different form of addiction. Mm-hmm. 
um, that is um, in a way exacerbated by um, some aspects of Japanese satellites, such as like the tremendous pressure placed on people to yeah. succeed at work and stuff like that. Uh, but, um, and she actually she read me a note here that I'm going to read in its entirety about um, like how bad this is because he's... Uh, uh, Klein talks about how after the introduction of the Oasis, uh, she says, here, oh, there have been um, Hikekomori in Japan since before the turn of the century, but their numbers had skyrocketed after the hunt for Halliday's Easter egg began. Millions of young men and women all over the country have locked themselves away from the world. They sometimes called these children the missing millions. And um, we have, in response to that, a, um, a little note. I told you she did a fucking book report on this shit. <laughs> Like with notes and a little mini essay and everything. So he gets the idea kind of right. Um, Hike Komori are usually young men who stay inside all day playing video games, reading manga, etc. But his implication that people stay inside due to being extremely nerdy or the egg hunt is frankly insulting and belittles a real mental health issue. People who never go outside or behave similarly exist, i.e. agoraphobia. But ones in Japan... One's in Japan, Japanese, given this label, and it's often implied that their nerdiness is to blame rather than their mental health. So essentially, just he used a legitimate mental health issue as just like a plot point. I mean, like, oh, look, video games are so fun, and the Oasis is so fun that people became so obsessed with it that all these Japanese people just couldn't deal. And yeah. millions of them just dis- and It's like, just, yeah. And it's completely dismissing an actual issue. Yeah, and it's something. It's an issue that exists. It's not unique to Japan. It's just that you know, the Japanese people have a word for it. Yeah, like you could like call it like agoraphobia or just any kind of addiction, mm-hmm. really. But yeah, so that, that's all the notes that she did. But that was an adventure because I just remember I came in and she was just in bed and she's fucking post-it notes in the book. I'm, like, I'm so sorry, honey. I didn't mean this. And but the book is awful. I highly recommend people go read it. Buy it secondhand. Don't support the author. No, like, he is a prick. And to prove that, Lucas, what did you mention earlier? Uh, so I mentioned that I, I, a couple of days ago, um, brought to my attention is a poem by one Ernest Klein. Yes, if you go on Ernest Klein's Wikipedia page, which I did, um, it lists his occupation as author and slam poet. Oh, no. And uh, I am now going to... Do you want me to read it or would you like to read it? I have it in front of me now. I, I mean, we can take turns. Okay, do you want to do a paragraph each? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I will send you the link that I have, so that way we don't get mixed up on the paragraph. Yeah. So it is a bit of a lengthy poem, so like bear yeah. with us. A note as well, to Lucas. Where is it located? The link <laughs> I just sent you is on the the Reddit, the subreddit. Sorry, r slash just neckbeard things. <laughs> and the name of the poem is Nerd Porn Author. Yep. And for anyone wondering, I wonder what Ernest Klein's feelings about women are, because they don't sound too great, like, from what you've discussed so far. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to just go till we get to a line, and then you do the next one? Yeah, we'll do a lot of, like, when there's um, a break in each one. Yeah, yeah you, you can see the grey line, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, um, I'll start. Nerd Porn Autor by Ernest Klein. I've noticed that there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. All the porn I've come across was targeted at beer-swilling, sports-bar-dwelling alpha males. Men who look like their... Wi- men who like their women stupid and submissive. Men who can uh, go only get it up for monosyllabic, <laughs> cock-hungry nymphos with gargantuan breasts and a three-word vocabulary. Adult films are populated with these collagen-injected, liposuctioned women, many of whom have resorted to surgery and self-mutilation 
in an attempt to look the way have they have been told to look. These aren't real women. They're objects. And these movies aren't erotic. They're pathetic. These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies don't turn me on. They disgust me. And that's not that I'm against pornography. I mean, I'm a guy. And guys need porn. Fact. Like a preacher needs pain, like a needle needs a vein. Guys need porn. But I don't want to watch this misogynist, he-man, woman-hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who is smarter than you are. You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horn rim glasses. Betty Finabowski, the valedictorian. Oh yes. First I want to copy her trigonometry homework. Then I want to make mad, passionate love to her for hours and hours. Until she reluctantly asks if we can stop. She doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica. Summer come Lorde, baby. That's what I call erotic. But do you ever see that kind of woman in a contemporary adult film? No. Yes. <laughs> all the time. No, which is why I'm going to start writing and directing geek porno. I shall be the quintessential, quintessential nerd porn auteur. And the women in my porno movies will be the kind that drive nerds like me mad with desire. I'm talking about the girls who used to fuck up the grading curve. The girls in the Latin Club and the National Honor Society. The chicks with weird clothes, braces, four eyes and a 4.0 GPA. Braining articulated bookworm. Oh, articulate bookworm. Not articulated, that'd be strange. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> with Mensa cards in their purses and chips on their shoulders. So daddy issues. My porn starlets will come in all shapes and sizes. My porn starlets will be too busy working on the PhD to go to the gym. So they'll come in all shapes and sizes, but they won't go to the gym. Got it, Ernest. Anyway, in my kind of porno movies, the girls wouldn't even have to get naked. They'd just take the guys to the rec room and beat them repeatedly at chess. And then talk to them for hours about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle on the underlying social metaphors in the Aliens movies. Buy stock in some hand cream companies, because there is about to be a major shortage. And I'm not just talking about straight porn. Oh no, there should be fuck films for my nerd brethren of all sexual orientations. Gay nerd porn flicks with titles like Dungeons and Drag Queens. This idea is a fucking goldmine. I'm going to make millions, because this country is full of database programmers and electronics engineers. And they aren't getting the loving they so desperately need, and you can help. If you're an intelligent woman interested in breaking into the adult film industry, if you can tell me the name of Luke Skywalker's home planet, fucking Tatooine. <laughs> is it Tatooine? Isn't yeah, he born yeah. in space? No, well, according he's to episode three, he's born in space, but again, gets moved to Tatooine. You know what? He doesn't have a home planet. Fucking Ernest Klein nerd cred revoked. <laughs> and then you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> Luke is the final thing. Oh, yeah, piece, the final please. thing. It doesn't matter... If you think you're overweight or unattractive, it doesn't matter if you don't think you're beautiful. You are beautiful, dot, 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 and I will make you a star. Uh, so, Lucas. What the fuck? Uh, and folks at home, this is a real poem written by the author of Ready Player One, and I think more than anything, it highlights just his horrible, toxic view towards women because ostensibly, on the surface, it sounds good. It sounds good, doesn't it? I, I want real the, women. On but, paper, the idea of this idea sounds good. But, but yeah, even the poem on like first glance doesn't appear good. Because it's like, oh yeah, I, I like real women, but he's building up these metaphorical real women that exist entirely in his head at the expense of women that actually exist. Mm-hmm. 
Because he's taught like he is dismissing women who work in an industry that's like that is incredibly difficult to deal yeah. with because yeah. of like how toxic the mindset is towards it. Like sex work is so fucking uh, sex work is so marginalized because of their choice of profession. Mm-hmm. And to see this guy being like, yeah, I'm gonna like call them. Uh, that they're, they're mutilating themselves to look this way. Collagen-injected, like, liposuctioned women who have resorted of, to surgery and self-mutilation. And then build up, like... like they're real women, too. Yeah. And some people like that. But it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's what I love that one of, is that like, when he talks about, oh, I want girls who are curvy with glasses on, is there any porn for me? It's like, mate, that's half a fucking porn hub. <laughs> Oh, God, like, no, Carl, it's really hard to find just porn about nerdy girls. It's really, it's really, really, and my favourite thing as well is, uh, Joey talks about how, like, super smart, um, I want really smart women to be porn stars. Mm-hmm. There are so many famously really intelligent porn stars. There are, yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna forget the name of the one, I think. Uh, I think it's... Oh, God, no, it's Robert uh, it's not Carl, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's not, no, not very smart. Let's just double check. I think it is her. Uh, is that? No, I can't remember her name now. You know I, what? I'm I, I wouldn't be able to tell you like by name, but I have seen examples in the past. Like, you always see them, like so. It's uh, my point, like my search history is gonna be great. But smart. I'm gonna double check what's the name. Uh, 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 uh. No, I can't find it. Damn. Fair enough. Fair that's, enough. That's super annoying. But I know there's like this famous example of like it's like uh, Acer, Akira, something like that. One of, like one of the really big names. Oh, okay. He's like incredibly smart and mm-hmm. was like a member of Mensa, and then they just did porn to pay for like their um, uh, university. And a lot of um, porn stars have like come from universities and stuff like that. And um, I can't even remember who it was. There was one girl who was like in Harvard or something that was caught just making a load of porn films to pay for like living as a student. Yeah, no, no, there's like, you always get the, when you hear those stories, people make fun. It's like, well, I paid off my college debt in two years. <laughs> it's like, who's the real idiot now? But just the idea, like, God, that poem's so fucking bad. And that, the person who wrote that poem has got not one, but like two giant Hollywood movies based around his work. What was the second one? Well, isn't Ready Player Two being made into a film? Uh, well, Ready Player Two, the book, has been re- um, just released now. So it uh, might well, I thought people house- were talking about Ready Player Two being turned into a film. But still, he's got if one successful Hollywood blockbuster film. And then he's got um, so Ready Player sad. One, Ready Player Two. He also wrote a book called Armada, which is apparently even worse. <laughs> oh, God. And I think it summed up to me why I don't need to watch Ready Player One. When I saw... How bad the references in the trailer were where there were Battleborn characters in it. <laughs> and people probably don't even remember what fucking Battleborn was. That's all you need to know about it, isn't it? Like, it's so cynical. Yeah. And it is just um, summed up by the, the type of people, like, you know, were who think this is, oh my God, this is a really good representation of, like, gamers and nerds, are probably the same type of people that would, like, buy me a man cave sign for my gaming room or something. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, be, uh, like, one of those really cringy signs that says, hurt gamer at work, do not enter. Yeah, shit like that. Where it's, 
the most like obnoxious base level I'm a gamer reference. It's like okay, cool, but like that does not appeal to me. It's so cringe. Oh god. And obviously it makes money. It does, but it's just like I said, it's Funko Pop, the book. It's worse than Funko Pops. But uh, there is as well, like, um, Ready Player Two is, like, out there right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, out in the wild, and a guy was on Twitter, Jacob Mercy. So that's at Jacob Mercy on Twitter, was just cataloging just really bad quotes from the start <laughs> of the book. And so here's how bad Ready Player Two's, like, writing style is. People were sharing alongside these fake ones. <laughs> and people couldn't tell what were the fake ones and what were the real ones. And Jacob Mercy had to have as his pin tweet for a while. I think it's this guy. You know, there's a couple of people who would like to do it, but just have that have as their pin tweet. Yes, they are real. Because so many people are like these are fake quotes. Oh, god. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find like the really bad quotes because, <laughs> like, as well, Ernest, like, maybe not this time, but like the um, uh, <laughs> the starting to get fucking like um, uh, grabbed on uh, Twitter. Oh god! Like they're starting to get taken down. Yeah, yeah. Like, that people are starting to just sack him with uh, DMCA's. Oh god! So bad. Oh, uh, so here we go to this quote. Um, uh, so Joe Ike Halliday is supposed to be like the good guy because he invents the Oasis. Okay. I'm just reading like some some summations of what he does. Um, uh, he uses disabled people as human guinea pigs to develop a brain computer interface. Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is what we like. He spies on people. I'm trying to find the one with all that references. Okay. Uh, uh, here's a quote. Uh, when he learned, because uh, at the end of the book, he owns um, like the biggest company on earth. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's talking about what it lets him do. Mm-hmm. This allowed me to finally bring about my long standing fanboy dream an epic crossover film about Dr. Emmett Brown and Dr. Buckaroo Banzai teaming up with Night Industries to create an interdimensional time travel vehicle for the Ghostbusters. Like, it is fan fiction level. Why does every sentence have to have five fucking references? It's just... Oh, man. It's, look, references are good because references. Yeah, also, do you remember I told you that Japanese guy commits suicide? Yeah. Like, who is friend in the book. Uh, it's Daisho commits suicide and Shoto survives. Shoto created his own charity organisation called the Daisho Council after his friend, which provided free food, housing, healthcare, and counselling to the millions of isolated Japanese kids known as Hikikomori, who lived in self-imposed seclusion, which we've already talked about. Is like he handled really poorly, so he doubled down on this. Mm-hmm. H set up a similar charity, H, if you remember, black lesbian, yeah. the North, in North America called Helen's House, which has provided a safe haven for homeless LBGTQIA kids throughout the United States and Canada, along with another founder, a foundation devoted to providing impoverished African nations with self-sustaining technology and resources. And for kicks, she called it the Wakandan Outreach Initiative. Oh, God damn it. Of course. 
God. Oh. Like, imagine, Lucas, that you're, like, you're living in an impoverished African nation and some rich billionaires. I think the end of the book, he shares it with everyone. Right, yeah, yeah. Gives peaks, it to his friends. So they're all billionaires. And this rich motherfucker from America comes over and starts, like, flying around, dropping technology on you and, like, taking selfies with, like, hashtag Wakanda forever on it. It's like, we need fucking water and food. Yeah. Like, look, I'm coming over to save you with money and Black Panther references. It's like, oh, fuck off. The ship's onboard computer contained a new standalone virtual reality simulation for us to access on our long journey. After much debate over what we should call our new virtual realm, we finally decided on Arcadia. And the A in Arcadia is an, an at symbol. It was H's idea to replace the A in the middle of an at sign to give the name Elite Flourish and help it dis- and help distinguish it from the geographic location in central Greece. In central Greece, the Duran Duran side project, the city on Gallifrey, the alternate plane of reality in Dungeons and Dragons, and all of the other Arcadias out there. And this is what I mean about how he explains every reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the addition of the at was also fitting because, as H put it, Arcadia will be with where it's at. Oh God. I can't cope with this, Carl. He's killing me inside. Oh. Uh, but trust... Right, so, as well, to defend him cyber-stalking his ex-girlfriend, um, he writes this. But trust me, there were far more twisted and depraved clips I could have been playing back. The current top downloaded in the Not Safe Work section of the OniNet library was a 50-person orgy recorded simultaneously by all 50 participants, giving the viewer the ability to jump from one participant's body to the next at will, like some sort of hedonistic demon. What the fuck? And it's just summed up here by Jacob Mercy. Consensual pornography between consenting adults. Twisted and depraved. Cyberstalking, moral grey area. <laughs> I selected the icon for the therapy programme on the hood of my IR specs. And my virtual therapist appeared in the empty chair across the table from me. When you first install the software, you were allowed to select your therapist's physical appearance and personality from thousands of pre-made options from um, Freud to Frasier. I selected Sean Maguire, Robin Williams' character in Goodwill Hunting. His familiar demeanour and warm smile and his fake Boston accent made our sessions feel like I was talking to an old friend. Um, Robin Williams, a guy who famously committed suicide due to depression. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's invoking his appearance here. He's like, I made him my therapist. Because it felt good to talk to Robin Williams. Like, fucking hell. Yeah. Christ almighty. Oh, God, that's bad. That That's really fucking bad. Yeah. And I really want to know how many uh, references he actually got approval to use. He's like, oh, did he did he contact you know Zelda Williams about to. that? I think he just put it in and just no, it... yeah, that, that's what I mean. I don't think that like Robin Williams' family would want that written in there. If that was Robin, like Robin Williams himself specifically wrote into his will, you cannot use my fucking likeness for anything related to any of the properties I've been in for a hundred years because fuck you. Hmm. Oh God. It just keeps going. I can imagine, and just fuck this guy. I just that one of fucking hell invoking Robin Williams mm-hmm. as a joke, guy who commits suicide due to depression. 
And that's thing not only as a joke, but as a joke about like a therapy session. Fuck this guy, Carl. Fuck this guy. Now, I just thought Ready Player One was a bit shit. It's really, really... It's one of those books as well where I um, put it in the same uh, space as Fight Club, mm. where if someone says this is their favourite piece of media, just fucking stop talking to them. It's an immediate... <laughs> red. If someone says, oh, what's your favourite movie? And they say, like, Fight Club or Watchmen. Oh, God, yeah. But you know, like, like, the reason they like Fight Club is like, oh, Brad Pitt's cool and yeah, anarchy. Like, they do not understand that was a book. It's based on a book written by a gay man. That's supposed to be a deliberate teardown of toxic masculinity. Like, no, they're just like, oh, yeah, fuck the system. Brad Pitt's so cool. Yeah, Fight Club. Yeah, let's fight. And it's, oh, God. Same thing with Watchmen, where you know they don't think it's like uh, um, Alan Moore, this really just, um, like, uh, in-depth tear down of the idea of superheroes. Mm-hmm. I know it's Rorschach's the coolest because he like he beats up all the bad guys. Like he's supposed to be a fucking monster. Yeah. There's that great quote from Alan Moore where he talks about, oh yeah, after the release of the Watchmen film, a lot of people came up to me to talk to me about what Rorschach, who in my eyes is a monster and is in no way and is in no way a character who should be lionized. So when people come up and talk to me about Rorschach, I say, please get away from me. <laughs> Oh, Luke, there's another quote here. Uh, Since I'd already violated her privacy, I decided to go full-on Big Brother and have a look at her headset feeds. What? Uh, There were 10 wide-angle surveillance cameras mounted on the exterior of each Oni headset, which allowed the wearer to keep an eye on their body and its surroundings from inside the Oasis. The robes of Anorak... Uh, The robes of Anorak gave me access to the secret sub-menu on every Oni user's account where I could monitor the video feeds coming in from those cameras, meaning I had the ability to spy on people in their homes. This was one of the GSS's ugliest secrets, and there'll be riots and class action lawsuits galore if our customers ever found out about it. But these were exceptional circumstances, I assured myself, spying on his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, so he just told himself, oh, it's fine if I spy on people without the permission. Because you know what? I decided it's an important enough thing. Oh, God. What a creep. And, Carl, like, I want to just, like, move on a little bit and say, you were talking about a breakdown of superheroes. Yes. And we never did our, well, like, Luke, the Luke boys please, breakdown. But, Luke, can I please do one more quote? Okay, please. one more. I'll give you one more. <laughs> Her cheeks had turned a bright shade of red, an indication she hadn't shut off her avatar's blush response. She probably hadn't switched off any of her avatar's other involuntary emotional responses either. Younger Oni users did this intentionally. They referred to it as rolling reel. (laughs) This man's a millionaire. And I remember, like... I feel so bad for anyone out there who wrote fan fiction and was told you're a shit writer, you'll never go anywhere. And then saw this in cinemas. Not even in cinemas, like they see this trending on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. And have weird men on the internet tell them it's actually a good movie. Because the first time I tweeted out about after I read it and went, um, I genuinely thought Ready Player One was parody because it's so poorly written. I got a guy going, no, it's a great book, you just don't understand it. <laughs> anyway, you were saying, Lucas. I was just saying, like, we never talked um, about The Boys Season 2 after I finished it. Fuck, so you have finished The Boys Season 2, yes? I have, okay, yes. so the rest of this podcast is going to be spoiler territory for The Boys Season 2. 
You were warned. You had your chance. So without further ado, Lucas, Boy Season 2, what are you thinking? It was fucking great. It was amazing. It, do you know what? It was something we needed. We needed the boys season two. I really needed to just watch a Nazi get punched in the face. And as well, no moral ambiguity to it. No. No no wishy-washy, no pussy-footy rats. No, you are a Nazi. You get punched the fuck out now. Yeah. And I was very happy to see that. And cause I remember when I first um, heard about the boys season two, mm-hmm. and I just saw the name Stormfront. As the new hero, and I went, does anyone write in this? No, that's Stormfront. So if people don't know out there, Stormfront is the name of the most infamous um, neo-Nazi forum on the internet. Oh, I didn't know so that. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, so I googled um, the hero, like Stormfront the boys, and in the original um, comic, it's just a big buff dude with a na- with a swastika on his chest. And oh yeah, they know. <laughs> uh, and another reference is Liberty. Joe used to go under the name Liberty. Mm-hmm. That is also the name of like an early neo-Nazi um, uh, web group oh, fucking on the no. internet. So even that's a reference. But yeah, was it satisfying to see a Nazi get punched the shit out of? And as well, I really enjoyed the fact that Homelander, who was made out to just be the worst fucking most psychopathic man on the planet, even mm-hmm. he goes, oh, I didn't know you were a Nazi. And he even says like, look, and I, I thought it was great though because we made, uh, when talking about the boys season one, the... Uh, like the the comparisons to Trump of this weird um, blonde man who's obsessed with image. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite uh, it's interesting at the very least from a uh, a visual and metaphorical standpoint that Homelander is like fucking Stormfront, meaning he is literally and metaphorically okay with getting in bed with a Nazi <laughs> if it means he'll be more popular. Because the, you have that moment, don't you, where she goes. Uh, look, you've got your entire PR team. I've got people on laptops with memes. Mm-hmm. And she sh- starts sh- showing him the montage of really awful racist memes that she's made. Yeah. Saying, look, when you see it on your uncle's Facebook page, you know it's worked. It's like, fucking hell. Yep. Where they start like, oh, the uh, where Homelander accidentally lasers through an innocent guy. And they just start putting a picture with like fake news on it. And you're like, fucking hell. Mm-hmm. And it works. It does work, yeah. And um, it was just, yeah, oh, God. It's really well done. It's really done. It's a bit on the nose, but I think with the boys, you kind of get away with that. It's a bit on the nose, but when it's a comic book world, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you do get away with it. And when it's the, the fucking the world we're living in, 2020 sometimes, you just need it a little bit on the nose of just fuck these awful people. I did like, though, <laughs> just that screenshot. That people keep posting of like all the people kicking Stormfront and saying, fuck you, you Nazi bitch. <laughs> and people just keep sharing that screenshot on Twitter and people keep resp- reporting it for being offensive. It's like, <laughs> did you watch the show? Yeah. And like, there's just so many moments in that where it's just like, fuck, that is cold as ice. Mm-hmm. Like the conversation between Giancarlo Esposito, uh, I think it's Homelander. Where he talks about the fact, yeah, um, I know that storm. Oh no, it's um, Carl Urban. All oh, right, talking to G and Carlo Esposito, and he talks about, that. look, yeah, I know she's a Nazi, mm. but fuck it. And he goes, you know, this, she doesn't like you, right? Guy who is black who is talking to me, yeah. And you just see him just sigh and go, yeah. What mm. are you gonna do? 
and God, uh, the scenes between um, Stormfront and A Train, they're the ones where he's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, yeah," chatting a lot. Wait, what? And he just and gives she, a look of hang on, no, no. What What do you mean here? And she says, "No, I play, she just plays it off as being like, no, 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 no." Uh, the one uh, I think we talked about it on stream briefly, where I think one of the scenes that is the strongest in that season is Stormfront chasing. I forget. The name of um, uh, is it Kimiko's brother? Ah, yes. And just during that scene, because I, I already had inklings when the name of the character is a fucking reference to a neo-Nazi website, and looking at pictures of the original comic, it's a person with a swastika. But I thought maybe since they've like, you know changed the gender, maybe they're going to change other aspects of the characterization. But when you see her going through that building, and she takes the opportunity to kill every black person who stands in her way because she knows she'll be able to blame it on the other guy. Yeah. And it's just every single shot you have of her firing lightning is her deliberately aiming for a black person. It's like, fucking hell. And then obviously um, she kills the brother and like insults him as well. And it's just like, yeah, okay, well, I see what they're doing here. And they get away with it. But um, the show could not be any clearer that um, she is a villain and that Homelander is a villain by association. Mm. If you didn't get that from the fact he'd let a plane full of people crash, it'd be bad for his <laughs> optics. But that leads into that happened in the real world, where, do you know they had the million MAGA march um, in protest of, like, Trump losing the election really badly and them not being able to take it? Um, are these the protests they did in the streets? Yes, um, someone went to it dressed like Homelander and wore a Donald Trump mask. <laughs> and Eric Kripke, the showrunner for The Boys, just retweeted it with, have you actually watched the show? To which Anthony Starr, Homelander, also responded, just, and I quote, the art of ignorant dumb fuckery. <laughs> and like Lucas, I think just more than anything that shows... There is no way you can make something on the nose enough that stupid fucking morons on the internet won't think it's real. It is unbelievably hammed up how evil and bad Homelander is. He is having sex with a Nazi as he crushes a man's skull. Yeah. Like, he lasers an entire crowd. He imagines lasering an entire crowd of protesters in half just because they annoy him. Yeah. Well, that's what, like, is implied that's what he wants to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. And has a little bit of restraint. But yeah, the idea that, oh my god, even when someone is that much of just an obvious villain, someone's like, yeah, man, yeah. What He's so you? fucking cool. R- Lucas Rorschach's the coolest. Because <laughs> that happened to us. Carly, um, where's when... the American flag? As a cape! How can he be evil? How can a man who wears an American flag be evil? No one's ever done anything evil (laughs) or bad uh, under the claims of doing it for their country. Never. Never. Anyway, here's this Nazi character that he's fucking on the side. (laughs) I'll tell you what, one thing that um, I mentioned and I want to bring up is, uh, did you get, I'm saying, did you notice the part I mentioned where it's a small part of one episode, but it makes... Everyone on the show a villain. Um, it's been a couple of weeks, so I'm not sure what you're referring to now. 
But it is the episode. I don't know. It's the episode where they escape from the mental facility. Ah, yeah. Where they're um, storing supers. I know what you mean, where they, they hijack the guy's car. Yeah, and that might be one of the most infuriating scenes I've seen anything in a while. And I'm guessing it's like supposed to establish that the boys aren't good characters, but I was so angry with the show at that moment because it is a problem they 100% create themselves. Yeah. And uh, to set the scene, if people don't maybe don't remember it, it is uh, the boys. I, want, I forget the name of the guy now, but you get sh- one of the members of the boys is shot. Mm-hmm. They uh, Carl Urban and Starlight. They fl- I, I know I keep calling him, I call him Carl Urban. <laughs> Billy Butcher and Starlight flag down a passing vehicle, and the guy gets out of the car. And Carl Urban tries to pass off, or oh yeah, I work for the government, or I think it's police officer. Or he says he's like some government agency. I think he's like, I, oh, I'm with the FBI or the CIA. I need to commandeer your vehicle. And the guy just looks at him and says, no. And he's like, also, mate, you're British, fuck off. Yeah, and in that moment, like, Billy Butchery realises that he's rumbled. Mm -hmm. And the guy looks at him and says, look, I'm not going to give you my car. I will give you a lift wherever you want to go. I can see that your friend is hurt. He's like, we are in the middle of nowhere. I have no way of getting any help. Like, I will drive you to a hospital. But I am not going to give you my car. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like, that is the most reasonable dude encountered thus far. He's, like, one of the most reasonable people in the show where it's like, look, you just tried to trick me into giving you my car. I saw through it, but I can see that your friend is legitimately I will help you, but please don't rob my car. I will look past it because your friend is clearly injured. I'll get you to a hospital, yeah. And then, in response to that, like, Starlight's like, no, give us your car. To which he responds, very factually, this is a stand-your-ground state. I've got a gun. Mm-hmm. You are now trying to rob me. I've just tried to help you. Please leave me alone. And Starlight kills him. And it's, oh, no. Um, Starlight kills him because, reasonably, he grabs his gun from his car and tries to defend himself. And they try he, and he's being it. robbed at gunpoint by Billy Butcher. Yeah. But they frame it as, look, oh, man, what an idiot. Why did he go for his gun? It's like, because you were fucking robbing him. And he was in his rights to defend himself because three people, like two of them, obviously, one of them's injured, but two people have just tried to rob him and are now telling him to hand over his car, to which he responds quite reasonably, no, it's mine, fuck you, I've got a gun, please leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And just like that moment, went, oh, they're all villains. Yeah. They are all completely irredeemable pieces of shit. And then when you have that scene of Starlight going, why did he go for his gun? It's like, why did you kill him? Yeah. You're a superhero. You're bulletproof. That thing is up until that point, Starlight is shown to be um, one of like the morally better characters. Not to mention as well, there's a scene earlier in that season where Billy Butcher shoots with a 50 caliber sniper rifle and she walks it off. Mm-hmm. She could have just got shot. She could have let him shoot her and then just take the Well, I think the point was he was about to shoot Billy Butcher, who obviously would have died. He's a normal dude. But she's super fast. He can't dodge bullets, though. No, she's super fast. Like She could have stepped Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, But it's that thing of, like, she's bulletproof and a superhero, and she just kills him. And that's the thing is... She's fast enough... Fast enough to go block it and take the hit, but no, I had to murder him because he pulled a gun. And as well, because it was the easiest thing to do, which is the exact reason Homelander is a villain. Mm-hmm. Like in the first season where he lets the entire plane full of people die, we talked about how the reason he's a villain is because he's so lazy. 
Yeah. Because he doesn't think of it. He thinks the easy, he just goes for the easiest solution. And if it doesn't work, he's just like, fuck it, I'm just going to kill everyone with my laser eyes. My last thing is, um, I can't remember her name now. The woman who's, uh, the superheroes are with her. Like uh, the Wonder Maeve. Woman type character. Maeve. Maeve, that's the one. She Brave Maeve. tries to tell him, look, there are ways we can do this. He's like, like, no, no but it, it wouldn't be easy, would it? So I'm going to go. And then you have Starlight doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was a deliberate decision on behalf of the showrunners and stuff, but it's infuriating that they gloss over it so easily and they have Starlight justifying it to herself 30 seconds later as she's looking at the empty child seat in the back of the car going, oh, I've just made a child an orphan. Because I thought um, when they panned to the the baby seat in the back of his car, the empty baby seat implying, you know, he has a child, I thought that would have then, you know, weighed on Starlight and been a bit nope. of a plot point. No. Never gets brought up again. No. Just gone. And I'd, from that point on, it's like everyone in this show is a villain. It's all right. I don't mind shows where everyone's a villain. Like Breaking Bad's a great show and everyone in that's an irredeemable piece of shit. But it's really infuriating the fact they immediately have the character justify it to themselves. Like there is no justification what you did. He offered to help you. It's like, oh, he pulled a gun in self-defense. I guess I had to kill him. Oh, well, let's move on. This as well, like he pulled a gun in self-defense after offering a completely reasonable solution of get in the car, I'll drive you to a hospital. You do what not do they need do after to rob kill... me of my car in the middle of nowhere. And what do they do when they kill him? They drive his car to a hospital. <laughs> and the thing is, do they even know where a hospital is? He lives in that area. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit, of, I think it's a moment in Breaking Bad, or maybe Better Call Saul. Oh, okay. Um, where for one of the episodes, they're robbing a guy. And it's one of those moments that makes you feel really bad because the guy's getting robbed at gunpoint mm-hmm. and like they get him to get his wallet out. And the guy just like, is, is, look, I know you're robbing me, but can you please at least leave my driver's license? And he says, I don't want to go to the DMV. And it's one of those things where it's like a soup, it's a really uh, human moment mm-hmm. that like, just warms you to that character. And then the, the, the guy gives him his driver's license and he says, thank you. Like, so he's scared, but he's like, please, like, I know you're robbing me. I'm okay. Like, you can rob me, but can I just please keep my driver's license so uh, I don't have, have to deal no with... You have no need for it. I just don't want to deal with the DMV. Yeah, and then the guy gives him it back and then shoots him. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, he was such a nice guy. Mm. It's like, oh, God, it's so... F- I hate it. But, oh, like... But, Lucas, speaking of Maeve, what do you think about the brave Maeve plot point? Oh, God. Uh, it put my teeth on edge. Yeah. It was so cringy, I couldn't handle it. But at the same time, I looked and went, this is exactly how big companies feel. This is exactly how they and act. That, that's the worst part. That's why it's so bad, because it feels exactly like what would happen. No, you being bisexual, that is just too confusing for the general public. You've got to be, like, proud Maeve. You've got to be the lesbian that we put behind, like you know, in front of every Pride banner we can find. And it is that um, thing we've talked about um, previously of um, the only, one of the primary thrusts to make um, being gay acceptable is going to be companies realising that they can monetize it and make more money from uh, embracing it than they will from ignoring it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you see in the boys where they go, oh, this is good. We can we can do this. We can monetize this. Like where you see Homelander do it, don't you? Yeah. When he's getting interviewed. Because I love that fucking great, like that fuck you moment where Homelander's in an interview 
and they're talking about what's the the compa- compound V? Compound V, yeah. And they're talking about it, and the uh, the journalist just drops. So how do you respond to accusations of racism when ninety five percent of the recipients of Compound V are white? And you just see Homelander's face drop because he has no answer. Mm-hmm. And he just, uh, um, well, uh, of the seven are very um, inclusive. Like um, A-Train's black. Um, uh, uh, black Noir, who knows what who knows what colour he is under there. And also, one of the members is gay. Yeah. And you see Maeve's face like, you fucking dare. And he does you it. You prick. Like, immediate. Just throw her under the bus because I'm caught in the headlights right now. Yeah literally using a gay person as a shield from criticism. And as well, he does pull the, well, I've got a black friend. I can't yeah, be racist. Trained. I've got a black friend. And uh, for people wondering, Black Noir is technically black because the actor who plays him is black. But in the comics, it's uh, not established um, if he's any particular race or not. And in the TV show, it's not mentioned as well. Other than no. that line of, we don't know what race he is, but it's yeah. never actually pointed out that he's a black guy. Yeah, I also love as well, Joe, the peanut thing where he's allergic to nuts. Yeah. That's because the actor who plays him is also allergic to nuts. Oh, really? Yeah. The actor who plays him had a tree nut allergy and they wrote it into the script because they thought it'd be a funny way to uh, take him down. I find it funny that, well, these guys all have things in common. Like, they're all bulletproof, that they're all like super resilient. How do we stop just shove things inside of them? They can't, they can't be resilient from the inside. You're not bullet. His guts aren't bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, like, the only character on the show, like, I, uh, when the show first, I started watching it, I hated Frenchie. Yeah, I found him really annoying. He's the most but redeemable character by the end of season two, though. I, I love him so much. He's my favourite. Like, him and Kimiko are my favourite characters on the show. I want them to have their own spin-off. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree. I did not like Frenchie to start with, you know, he just gets kind of shafted in the first appearance. But by the end of season two, he is just the best character. He's one of the best, yeah. And like his backstory of he's struggling with the thing that Lamplighter went and burned uh, like their boss's children because he was off helping a friend who had an overdose. Yeah, and I I really like that turn on the story. I also did like the fact that Lamplighter never knew. Yeah, he just thought it was someone else. And he, he retired immediately afterwards because he was like, I can't fucking do this. And I thought yeah, that was a really good twist on... You spend an entire season building up like Lamplighter, this fucking knobhead, like the worst person in the entire show. He burned children alive and loved it. It's no, he made a mistake and feels so bad that he quit. And then he immediately commits suicide the the moment he has the opportunity to do so. He's just he yeah, did. I'm tortured as fuck. I also like as well the guy they got to play him is the guy who played Iceman in X. Yeah, it's Bobby. Yeah. Yeah, it's Bobby Dre. I thought it was quite cool. Like, oh, who do we get to play a guy with firepowers? And I love the playing around with casting they did in that show. Mm. Of um, like we talked about like, Haley Joel Osment playing a washed up child actor yeah. in universe. It's like Haley Joel Osment in real life is a washed up child actor. <laughs> I thought that was really strong. Yeah. And then getting a guy who famously played Iceman to play a guy with firepowers, and they have the thing where he walks in and they all laugh at his costume. Yeah. <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> But he walks in and everyone just starts going, what He walks in taking guy. himself so seriously as well, and they're just like... They all immediately just burst out laughing at his costume, and he's like, really, guys? Yeah. Really? And like the setup for the next season as well of the people who escape from there. 
where you have like the super serious bald lady. Yeah. Just and I'm like, she looks like a fucking character. Mm-hmm. I want to know everything about that character, but I also want to know nothing about her. Because just the way that actress carries herself in the few scenes she's in was terrifying. Makes makes her super it's like Giancarlo Esposito, mm. to use him as an example, uh, in Breaking Bad. Where he was originally cast just as a guy who sold chicken. <laughs> and he was supposed to be a middleman for Brian Cranston and Walter White and like a bigger meth distributor. But Giancarlo Esposito said that when he went into his went for his performance, he just played the character like he had a secret and hoped that fans would pick up on that. And they did and assumed that he had more to do with the story than he actually did initially. Mm-hmm. So they kept putting him back in episodes. And that lady reminded me of that where she just the moment she appeared on screen, like, who is this lady? Mm-hmm. Like, from the instant she appeared, I went, she's going to be a main character next season just because of how good she looks. Yeah. In terms of, like, how strong just her screen presence is. And I really like you bring up John Cotler. So, you know, I really like him in this. Of just, even, like, Homelander comes into his office, like, I'm going to fuck you. I, I can do what I want. Fuck I'm you. Homelander. You're not in charge of me. And he just so easily puts his thumb right over Homelander. Like, so calmly. Just the, the way he plays characters like that. Oh. The master manipulator's great. Also as well, like fair play to Homelander for having a complete and utter men- mental breakdown. <laughs> like, that ending shot of him just masturbating over the city going, I can do what I want, I can do <laughs> <Yeah>. what I want. He's <laughs> so good. And those fucking scenes with him and the doppelganger person. Oh god, they was terrifying. Yeah, like they are like, not terrifying, like, uncomfortable. And like he, he walks in, and um, the the woman's there with like the glass of milk, like oh, just pouring it over him. Like oh, do you want to taste? And like oh, it's so just. And then he, he he's like, oh okay, I guess you want me to turn into you instead. It's like, oh no. And, and he's like, oh, do you want to fuck yourself? And you see Homelander as well, where he actually has a think and goes, do I want to do that? And he goes, no. And the one thing no. I'll say about that scene is it was really, really distracting how bad the double they got for him was. Oh, yeah, because you can like they're filming someone from behind who's not him and he doesn't have the right hair colour. He doesn't have the right hair colour, the right stature. He's not even the same height. So they are face to face like a foot apart from each other and there's a good few inches difference in height it's like are you really so i just took that as um because he's still wearing the same outfit that he's wearing high heels no no because um the the actual homelander was taller than the transformed homelander oh okay noticeably so Oh, okay. Maybe he's wearing boot. Maybe he has lifts in his costume. Uh, we don't know. Could he not have just, like, you know, gone on his fucking tippy toes? <laughs> so that scene maybe so uncomfortable as well because, and it's a credit to how just um, fractured the psyche of Homelander is that I didn't know if he wanted to or not. Oh, I totally and, thought he was doing it. Yeah, and because you, you can see like he's genuinely thinking about it, and mm. then it's it's he has that moment of thinking, and then goes, "No, this disgusts me." Yeah. Because you have like the lead up to that, and that's one of the things I like about how um, Stormfront convinces him. Mm-hmm. Is she just plays to his ego? Yeah, it's like oh, just Homelander. It realistically, he is just one hundred percent ego, and everybody in that show who manipulates him does so by just like, playing to his ego. Yeah, 
because that's the only thing he cares about. Mm. Like you see him when he sees that he's getting like positive reviews online because of the racist memes. He's like, yeah, I can deal with this. Mm-hmm. I'm good with this. And yeah, it's just he's really well done, but it's really uncomfortable. And shout out to the um, even though they're awful people like Homelander and Stormfront. Shout out to just we are gonna have the roughest superhero sex of all time. We've never seen it before. You know what? We needed to. Like fair play to that. Of what are we gonna do? We're gonna show how like superheroes have angry, rough sex and just break everything. Like uh, the bit where he's lasering her and she's like, "Don't stop, you pussy." Yeah. He's like, okay then. She's like, "Oh, oh, keep doing it." And then he's like, "Oh no, 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 I'm burning." He's like, "No, fuck off, keep and doing just it." Just some. Something about the most powerful man on the planet being into humiliation. Yeah. Again, that's why I think like the, there has to be at the very least some subconscious Trump parallels there. <laughs> you must have heard about all the um, the rumors about Trump. Um, not about, really. Like, no. The the, the P tapes. The what? If, the P tapes. It's a. It's they don't. No one knows if they exist. Mm. But there is a rumored tape out there, and it's one of the things, the bits of compromat um, Russia is said to have on Trump, and it is purported to show Trump um, asking Russian prostitutes to piss on him wow. um, on a bed where Obama and Michelle stayed in a few years earlier. Oh. And there's like other things like Stormy Daniels talked about how when she slept with uh, Donald Trump, he asked her to spank him with a magazine with his own face on it. Okay. Yeah, and it's just like he is one of the richest, most powerful... He was one of the richest men on the planet and then he, when he became president, one of the richest, most powerful men on the planet. And he's still just like this pathetic, uh, tiny man with a fragile as all fuck ego. Mm-hmm. And I just love that with Homelander as well, where he's like, you know, the most powerful man on the planet and everyone who controls him does so by just like, you know, playing to his ego and like mothering him, like make him think he's a child. <laughs> And speaking of it, what do you think of Mini Homelander? Um, I mean, a weird that they recast him. Did they recast him? Yeah, because I watched season the end of season one right into the start of season two. Oh, I think we had a break. We had like a break of a couple of days. Yeah, and I was just I like, oh, that. that's a bit odd. Um, the the kid was noticeably blonder. Ah, fair enough. I just didn't even notice that because. I was just too like entranced with Anthony Starr's performance. Unless it was the same kid and they just like changed his hair between the seasons, I'm not sure. Maybe, to make him look more like uh, the actor. Mm-hmm. But, um, or the character, sorry. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy that part. Um, I kind of thought every scene where it was like, you know, the mum and the kid kind of just dragged the pace of the show down a lot. But I think it could have scene... it could have been done... In half the amount of time. But every scene with Homelander and that kid was amazing. Um, yeah, that's the thing is, every bit of like Homelander or Stormfront there at the house were great. Like that scene where he takes him to the restaurant. Mm, yeah. And like it's a credit to Anthony Staff how he made like the character who is a horrible, irredeemable piece of shit in that exact moment where he sees that his son is suffering because he's obviously got super hearing yeah. and super senses and he sees he's been overwhelmed. And he's he never been around more than one person. He immediately steps in and just swoops away. Yeah. So he can like, you know, be on his own. And because he recognizes it's the only person he's ever been able to empathize with his entire life. Because exactly. he's exactly like he was. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like stuff with Homelander where um 
the all he ever wanted when he was like growing up in a lab was a mother. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you caught it where they talk about how one of the earliest scientists who looked after him, he accidentally killed her by hugging her too hard. Oh, I miss that bit. And they have stuff like that in the, you know, like, oh my God, no. Like, all he wants is just someone to relate to. And that's how people um, so easily manipulate. It's how Storm um, Front does it. It's how the lady in the first season, it's how Giancarlo Esposito does it. And um, yeah, it's one of those as well. Of He says to him, doesn't he? Like, look, it'll be okay. I never had anyone that understood my powers helping me. But I can help you. I can fix your childhood in a way to try and fix my own. So it's that thing of like, if I by helping you, I can potentially help myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that. And I also just the uh, the bit of facial acting done by Anthony Starr when you have Stormfront just like look, our audience is too stupid, or a part of our audience is too. I literally need to talk about white genocide now, so people know that I'm a Nazi. Yeah, even though we've already had footage and like oh sorry, a bit earlier in the episode where I am literally outed as a Nazi, and there's pictures of me next to um, uh, Himmler. <laughs> And she starts talking about like white genocide, and you see Anthony Starr go, "Oh no, I did it! Yeah, I broke the rule. I stuck my dick in crazy." <laughs> <laughs> and that bit of face acting from him, yeah. where he's like, "You see him clench his jaw and just go, yeah, I fucked this one up a bit, Anna.' Yeah, just like, oh no, oh not again." But uh, I will say, with the like, regards to his kid, um. I like the choice to have him murder his mum by accident. Mm. Uh, I did like that. And not because, you know, as I was saying, oh, they slowed down the pace, get rid of the fucking mum. Just an interesting choice of like, now the kid has to have that moral quandary of, did I kill my mother and am I to blame? And it's like, I wasn't in full control of my powers. If my mum would have let me explore them earlier, would I be now in better control than being able to help her? Mm Mm-hmm. I get interesting of, oh, Billy Butcher spent the entire season. I need to find a way to get rid of the kid, and now he's the one stuck with him. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll uh, be really yeah. interesting for season three. And then there's an interesting thing of um, when you see Stormfront dying, she starts speaking in German. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have broke that down. She's actually talking about her husband and her daughter or something like that. Oh, right, okay. She's just saying that she misses them as a, oh, she still remembers her family, and it's that's the only time she was happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what they're going to do with Stormfront. Well, it's like she had two of her legs lasered off. Yeah, she's still alive, isn't she? She's just like arrested and taken away, half broken. Mm. And it's also like that thing of, oh, um, Homelander's lasers barely hurt her and she recovers in less than a day. When he's doing full power, his child's lasers completely and utterly um, obliterate her body. Mm. And it's like, oh, so the kid is stronger than Homelander. Yeah, and maybe that's just because he doesn't know how to control his power. But even then, I think Homelander, like, he does try, like, even just the most basic use of his lasers, like, cuts people in half. Yeah. And you see him, like, go full power during that sex scene, mm-hmm. and it doesn't hurt her. And then the kid does it and just, like, absolutely annihilates half the forest. Yeah, true. And, it, and it's why, like, Superman's eye lasers are terrifying. It's just a, it's the, the Goku Gohan, isn't it? Uh, the sun always surpasses, but... One thing I did find weird, though, is um, because when I saw, oh, Stormfront's a Nazi, are they going to have a picture of her like, stood next to Hitler? Mm-hmm. And then they do the fake out by like, showing the picture. It's her next to like, Himmler and some other people from the Nazi high command. And they go, and of course, the big guy themselves. 
And they do the fake out of it's the guy who founded, um, what's the company called again? Uh, Vault. They, they have the, the Vault guy, don't they? Yeah. It's like, that's the fake out. But later in that episode, when they're talking about how Homeland got outed as a Nazi, they have a picture of her with Hitler. Yeah, at like a dining table news. or something. And they talk about, oh, picture, like, um, and people are outraged to see a picture of her eating with Himmler. It's like, but there's a picture of Hitler behind you. That's the person people know best. Why don't you mention that? Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, they had the restraint not to do that in the episode, but then do it again later anyway. Mm. It's like, God damn it. It's weird, it's weird. But no, I did very much enjoy season two. And as, a, as the final thing, what do you think about The Deep? Uh, his character arc fucking goes places that season, doesn't it? It really does. Like, like, and again, his character would be his character is very interesting, and I would feel sorry for him if he wasn't a rapist. Exactly. I still don't feel sorry for him. But like Lucas, the whale. I was going to say I feel sorry for the whale, though. I feel like, but isn't that like it's weird how this parody of superheroes has what might be one of the strongest Aquaman moments I've ever seen in fiction. Which is just, they're all on a boat and like, the fuck is going on? And they look out into the sea and see <laughs> infinite sharks and like, oh god no. Like, oh my god we are fucked. They just see infinite sharks and dolphins cresting over the horizon. There is nothing we can do whale. anymore. As he's surfing on a whale <laughs> and you just have that great shot of Billy Butcher just opening fire on the dolphins. <laughs> It's like, oh, fuck, we must kill the dolphins. It's like, nah. Also, as well, like, how broken is the superpower of blowing people's heads up? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. that might be, that's up there as potentially the most terrifying superpower I've ever seen in fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, like, Homelander's pretty scary, but even Homelander has to look at you to kill you. <laughs> it's like when they have that scene in, like, they're doing, what, the hearings... And then, like, 20 people's head explodes. And then it's, like, it's on the news. And as well, and then, when obviously near the end it's revealed who the person is with the, like, yeah. head-exploding powers. And the fact that she can do that while also pretending to run away from the person popping heads. It's, it's just like, when that happened for the first time, I went, that's the strongest superhero or villain I've ever seen. Well, um... Like, what do you do? Immediately pops the head of A-Train's replacement. Yeah. Meaning she can pop the heads of, you know, even the superheroes. superheroes. Just like that. But it's just though, when they, like, you don't even get any warning either it's about to happen. No. That's what I found so terrifying about it. It's like, the first time it happens is the lady just having a full conversation. And then midway through the conversation, her head explodes. It's like... How do you beat that power? Yeah, because it's not as... Oh, God, I've got a bit of a headache. Something oh, feels yeah, like, wrong. It's just... Gone. You've got no you'd brain. Expect them to, yeah, you'd expect them to do the thing of, like, the nosebleed, wouldn't you? Yeah. That's the tropey thing to do. Of, like, I oh, think they, they did do that the first time, didn't they? Like, she pulls out a napkin and, like, wipes her nose Dabs a little bit nose. and then it blows up. But, like, later in the show, it's like, oh, everyone's head explodes. Yeah, when she's just showing no restraint... In that courthouse scene, just everyone blows up immediately. Oh, well, the head of Scientology's head explodes. Mm. So I thought he was the head exploder. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was going to be the twist of when he talks about how... Because he talks about, oh, look, um, A-Train's replacement. And A-Train got back. So, oh, so he must have exploded. Yeah, he killed all the government. Yeah. So he could hide the fact he killed A-Train. So, no, it was just that lady and she just killed him because fuck him. Basically, yeah. And like, 
I genuinely thought, oh, this must be the guy. Like, because they pull him off as such a a villain and build him up to be, oh, this is going to be the the big bad guy behind the scenes. This is season three, and then his head explodes, and then his head just yeah pops, and he goes, oh shit, okay. Oh man, I, I really do like as well that bit with the deep. Where it's, um, uh, look, I signed over all my bank accounts to you and you made me marry a woman who gives shit blowjobs. I hate this place. I quit. <laughs> and then just says, fuck Fresca. <laughs> yeah. And I, I looked that up because I was curious because uh, if people don't know, when you mention stuff like that in a show or a film, generally you have to ask permission. So is Fresca a real brand then? It's a real brand oh, okay. and they didn't pay for any sponsorship and the boys didn't ask permission. Uh, apparently the showrunner just thought it was a really weird drink that only weirdos do. And he just found it really amusing that everyone who like works for this weird culty religion just drinks Fresca and offers it to people. Because I wasn't sure if it was um, some weird high-level thing of, oh, they make Fresca and it's secretly some kind of weird like manipulation in there, and they're like brainwashing people with this drink. It's uh, no, it's just a funny. No, drink. it's a funny. real drink. I think I'm just gonna double check. I think it's like fancy um, Fanta, right? Something yeah, like that. Uh, grapefruit flavored citrus soft drinks. So it's like a fancier Fanta. It's just that thing of they just thought it was a really weird drink. It's like fuck it, let's just have everyone in this cult constantly offer fresca to people. Well, that's why I thought there was something going on with it because every scene in that. Um, to do with anyone in the cult is just they, they always... immediately offer Fresca to them. Uh, no, it's just apparently it's just a quirk that the show would have thought was funny. <laughs> That's cool. And just went, and it just ends in going, fuck Fresca. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love it. Like, that actor is amazing. Like he, he plays that role of just the idiot so well. Yeah, yeah. Like the idiot who is like used. And I want him to come back just because I want to see him suffer more. Oh, totally, yeah. And I, I will I, say. The scene where you know he gets it turned around on him I, it is one of the most uncomfortable fucking things I, I've done. And then when you just see him sat there, like I don't know how to feel about this. And I I loved that scene because fucking that's comeuppance right there. But I also as well don't like the uh, the trope of um, punishing people with sexual assault. Oh so no no exactly I don't the... I don't I think it's one of those of when it's oh, I committed sexual assault, so the comeuppance is sexual assault. I get that. Um, and then when he sits there feeling like, I don't like this. I hate this. Yeah, and that's the thing is, oh, it's they put that in there so he can suffer what he's been um, doing to other people. Just gets a glimpse into like, what it's like. But um, just, God, man, that actor was fucking nailing it because he plays just a downtrodden loser so well. Yeah. Like when he's crying and shaving his head. And that scene where he gets high and the gills start talking to him. That's where the show lost me because it's Patton Oswalt. It's like, yeah, I immediately out. heard Patton Oswalt and was like, oh, that's annoying. I, and as well, the scene goes on for just a little bit too long. Like, it does, it. yeah. Oh, but yeah, a very, very good show and I look forward to seeing what they do with the third season. But uh, I read ahead in the comic books and already the show's deviated from the comic books. Of course, yeah. But like, apparently, like in the comics, like Homelander tries to take over the United States and become the president. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they go anyway, though. President Homelander. That would be just so on the nose. It's unbelievable. But you never know. We can see, we can see it. But uh, I think it might yeah. happen. 
It, it, it probably will, and then the Trump comparisons get even greater. Yeah. And they become like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I knew it. It's one of these difficult things of um, watching like two seasons of a show back to back and knowing now I've got to wait for more. And I always do it of like, for example, um, Attack on Titan. I watched like the first four seasons and then went, oh, um, when's the next one coming out? Oh, like we don't know yet. It's, like, oh. it's, like it's, it's not even been announced. I've like, like binged it for four seasons and then it's like, no, you're going to have to wait a while now. It's like, oh, I've watched so much of it and I've not got closure. And that was Game of Thrones for me, where um, every time they release a new season, I just binge the previous season. Right. And then watch the entire season in one go. And they're like, oh, I guess I better wait for the next one again. <laughs> it's like, I did it every time and I never learned. Yeah. And I will never learn, but oh well. Yeah, we can, we can end it there. But the Boys, very, very good show. Very good, yeah. A few elements that like, maybe uh, not great or a bit. It's not like, perfect by any means. Yeah. Or like, a bit um, weird, mm-hmm. I guess. Like um, like the, the head exploder lady, very obviously being a, um, a reference to AOC, mm-hmm. uh, the progressive Democrat candidate in the United States. Because they, I, I thought it was just with her being young, uh, being a young woman um, of color. But then they have a quote or a, a a statement said to her that i'm not sure if you caught where it is oh i saw her dancing to walk like an egyptian in that video oh okay. and that's a thing that happened with aoc um I, i'm really bad at remembering it's like alexandria ocasio cortez uh, where um republicans as a, an attempted smear campaign um dug up a video of her in college where she danced for a music video for a friend and they were like, oh, look at this idiot dancing. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and look how adorable she is. Look at her having fun and helping a friend. Why would you think this would make us like us less? And I find it really weird that um, there were, you know, obviously some older uh, politicians who when she did like the Among Us stream is like, oh, what a fool. It's like, no, she just made herself one of the most relatable politicians to anyone like age 40 and under. Yeah, and that's uh, the the head exploder lady is very clearly a parallel to her, mm. and it's made and that was made concrete for me when they have that reference. Like, oh, that happened to AOC. Fair enough. Yeah, where she got made fun of by politicians for dancing in a music video, but then they make her the villain. Oh, so you're making the progressive politician um, try to fight against the establishment? They explode people's heads. Or I, I don't know how to feel about that, but I'm sure it'll be explored. Uh, in the next season. Hopefully, because, yeah, we don't get too much time with that character. Hopefully it's not as bad as it made, you made it sound there, yeah. Or it just turns out that AOC can explode people's heads. That'd be That ass. would be awesome. I know. I'd vote for her. <laughs> well, Carl, that... if you don't, she's going to blow your head up, apparently. Is that that great Frankie Boyle joke where he talks about... Um, like, uh... Why don't presidential candidates dress like Magneto, wait for there to be a um, a storm or a hurricane, and give a speech in the middle of it? <laughs> and then just have that clip floating around of them dressed like Magneto in a storm going, vote for me! Because <laughs> I would. I'd be scared at that point. Yeah. Like you need that. Every politician needs to do that bender thing. Of get the statue of yourself breathing fire saying remember, remember me. Remember me. It's the best episode. Oh god, it's so good. That might be the strongest episode of Futurama 
Just because there's so many little moments in it, mm. like, oh, you call that whipping and Bender whips himself and the fucking <laughs> slave driver gets out of breath. <laughs> Great. Oh. oh, So I think we could call it there because that's like, we, we've gone places with this podcast, mate. We have, yeah. And we ended on the boys. It's always nice. It's always nice. But yeah, thank you. Also, shout outs to the actor who plays Mother's Milk. I love that guy. Oh, God. <laughs> now, that character's so good. Oh, no. Frenchie's the best, though. Uh, but did you see as well, like, uh, oh, God, one, one last thing. Just, like, every T-shirt they wear is, like, a little reference mm. based on what they're doing. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, because uh, you see, I forget the name of like, the main white guy, but Mother's Milk, he uh, always Huey. wears, like, a... Huey. He wears, like, T-shirts for old rock bands. Yeah. And Mother's Milk wears ones for, like, old rap groups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, when they're going to, like, in fight the government, you see that Mother's Milk's wearing, like, an NWA t-shirt. Oh, okay. Like, foot, like the foot the police mm. sort of thing. And then, like, uh, you see Huey wearing stuff like Clash t-shirts. And I, I'd, think, I'd like to think they're references, because given how much extra detail, uh, attention to detail he's put into the rest of the show. So something I was on the lookout for is what is on each of their shirts for the scenes that they're in, and does it reflect what's happening in the scene? For the most part, it seemed to do that. See, that could just be me yeah, being a media student. Maybe that might be like a really cool thing, but I gave up on giving a shit about what shirts they were wearing the moment it was like, oh no, poor downtrodden sad person wearing a Nirvana t-shirt. I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a bit on off. the nose for some scenes like that, innit? Yeah. That was not the moment they the... lost me with the t-shirts. Like, not as on the nose as um, I'm going to make my depression counsellor Robin Williams, but it's pretty damn close. It. I mean, the Robin Williams thing is on a little level, Carl. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but to conclude, fuck Ready Player One and Ready Player Two. <laughs> and the eventual Ready Player Three. It's been made, mate. Anyway, do you want to plug anything before we go? Uh, yeah, like uh, as we mentioned uh, at the start of the podcast, you can follow me for, you know, just silly gaming stuff uh, at Legend of Canto on Twitch and YouTube. And yeah. Go follow Lucas on those places. My sus crap, Lucas is way better. <laughs> Thank you.